Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Welcome to another Big Fake Radio Show. Joining me as always is new Larry, Kevin Jank. I want that ass, Mike Dell. You don't got to <laughs> wrap it. You don't got to send it. I'll take it home now, as is. Yes. <laughs> as, of course, is a quote from The Burning, which we will be reviewing tonight. And then also joining us is my personal attorney and spiritual advisor, Tuffy. I told you not to beat your schlong last night. It drained your power. <laughs> There were a lot of memorable quotes from this movie. I, I, there were a couple other contenders, I think, that could have been chosen. Yeah. But yeah, we will be reviewing The Burning, a 1981 film starring, among other people, uh, Jason Alexander with hair. So that's very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and, Playing uh, a young teenager with, like, 35. <laughs> no, he was actually only uh, 20 here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In real life, he is like twenty twenty one. All right, so uh, also uh, the man who chose that movie for us to watch is our very special guest. He is an author. He is a horror movie expert, and he's most a- importantly, <laughs> he's a raconteur. Ladies and gentlemen, Miles Watson. I'm, I, hold on, I got to wait till the deafening applause dies down before I can talk. Um, <laughs> I would just like to say that at least one of those statements you made about me is true. The others are probably oh. bullshit. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you're a horror movie expert. You know? uh, <laughs> I yeah. just think I'm a raconteur now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've accepted it, finally. Finally <laughs> accepted it. You've been calling me that for years now on at least, I don't know, two, several different podcasts, and I'm – Pretty sure I know what it means, but I'm afraid to look it up because it could just mean you're an asshole in French. No, 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 no. It just means you're a worldly fellow who has lots of stories. You know, you have a lot of stories. Yeah, the man about town. Yeah. Like the shadow. So, uh, Miles Watson, the reason you're here tonight is that it's Halloween time, you know, and uh, you love Halloween, right? Yeah, the freaks come out at night. Yeah. Halloween <laughs> hey, is my time. I'm sure I've asked you this before because uh, you come on the show pretty much every year on Halloween. But have you ever gone to like an actual uh, Halloween party where you dress up and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. When I was when I was in LA and I did makeup effects, I got invited to some pretty crazy ass uh, costume parties because in makeup effects, obviously those guys can take their costumes to the next level and then the next level after that. So like you, I would go to some of these things and see the most amazing shit that people had had made because these guys are professionals. You know, they make stuff for TV and movies. The funny flip side of that is that when you would go to these parties, there would be guys like they're all, they've, they've been 
getting their friends and family ready for Halloween, right? So by the time Halloween runs around, all their friends have asked them to do up a costume or do up face paint or something. So a lot of them are like, fuck it. They'll literally put a sheet on and cut eye holes. Yeah. <laughs> so these yeah. guys that have worked on like 75 major films show up to a party wearing a sheet or wearing like that like Spider-Man costume that you can buy at the at the dime store that's got like the plastic mask with the rubber band on the back. Yeah, those are nice. And like a smock. But, but yeah. Picture, man. I already know the answers to this question, but let me just check. Uh, Tuffy, you've never gone to such a party, right? Uh, I mean, I was in like college and law school where people wore shitty costumes and got drunk together. Oh, well, that seems it's close enough. Yeah. Jank, <laughs> uh, you, you've never attended an actual Halloween party, have you? Of course I have. <laughs> really? As an adult? I, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh. Man, you guys yeah. are living. I I never have. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done that for like at least a decade. Yeah. yeah. About this. Pretty good. All right, so uh, it is Halloween time though, and we uh, always watch the horror movies around this time of month. It's Shocktober, if you will. The coin of Mike L phrase. So uh, Miles Watson, I hear tell that for the month of October, you've been watching a different horror movie each day. Is that true? It's basically true. I managed. I took a couple of days off because when I hit about 18 in a row, I was doing two <laughs> or three a day at one point. I, I started oh, yeah. to get these, you know, I started to get a psychological reaction. <laughs> my my dreams became nightmares, and I woke up at like three in the morning and had to go check the chain on the door and shit. You know, the stuff you do when you were like 11. Um. So yeah, I uh, I'm up to about 27 for. Oh. The uh, month, I think I'm a movie or two behind. I watched a couple today, but I will definitely be at 31 by Halloween. No question about it. Now, is this, uh, are these all new movies you had never seen before, or some of these are old classics that you enjoy watching? I decided to forego all the old classics because every year I do what most people do. You know, I drag out Halloween. I drag out the Friday the 13th, Hellraiser, The Thing, the John Carpenter movies, uh, you know, the, all the classics. And last year, I started to, to feel like I was a little bored. So I was like, next year, I'm going to try to watch only movies I've either never seen before, saw so far in the past that I have no memory of them at all. Or in, in one case, I've seen the movie like 40 times, but I never actually sat down. I don't know if, the, if you guys have ever done this, but is there a movie that you always catch it in the middle or you always catch yeah. it towards the end or you catch it about 15 minutes in and sit down and watch it, but you've never actually watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Yep. I did that too. For I finished off a couple of those bastards that were just like, I'm like, God, I've seen this 20 times and I've never actually seen it. Like sat down consciously to watch it. It was like on cable and I had a couple beers in me and was like, Oh, I'm 20 minutes in. I'll just, I'll make the investment. So yeah. So, so generally this was stuff I had never seen before. Now, was the burning uh, something you had never seen before or something you forgot that you'd seen so long ago? I had never seen it before. I don't know exactly how I missed it because it wasn't like I wasn't aware of it. But the burning (laughs) sometimes gets confused with an ultra-low budget, shit-ass, unwatchable piece of crap called Honeymoon Horror, which is basically the same movie. It's about – Oh, really? I don't want to jump ahead, but, yeah, it's about – a burning and then the guy comes back and he's all burned and he kills everybody at this kind of like resort cabin thing. Very similar concept, except the victims are all older. They're like adults. They're not kids. 
But that movie's a huge piece of shit. And in my <laughs> mind, I think I might have gotten these two movies confused because it's the same premise. So I watched, a, I actually, when I was looking for horror movies to watch, I watched a trailer and I was like, I've never seen this. What the? And then I put it in and saw Jason Alexander and I was like, good God. Yeah, with hair. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, with a lot of hair. A lot of curly <laughs> that's, hair. That's the crazy part with the hair. There's a lot of famous people in that movie, actually, but we'll, we'll get to that later. So do, do you have a... Li- I was bald. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's talking up a blue streak now, right? Isn't that that the same? Or that was uh, John Lovett saying that, right? She's talking up a blue streak now when he had the hair plugs. Basically the same idea. Yeah, same thing. All right. Um, Miles, did you make a list of these movies? Do you have a list that you can consult? Can we go over all these? I do. I have a list. I have a list in front of me. This will be exciting. Now, I haven't seen as many horror movies as you uh, you fellas. Jank's seen a lot, right, Jank? You've seen him. You should have heard this guy talk about Halloween last week, Miles. He ranked all the Halloweens, <laughs> and he knew, like, oh, wow. everything yeah. about them. He knew, like, everything there well, about probably, He's probably seen a lot of these because I didn't realize how truly deficient my uh, so-called horror knowledge was until I realized all the horror movies I haven't seen. I was like, okay. I'm probably going to have to extend my 31 movies to 31 days into, like, 62 movies in 62 days because that's how bad it is. Like, I don't. I didn't realize how many movies in the last twenty years I just never got around to seeing that were hits that everybody talked about, and I was like, "Nah, I'll get to it," and I never did. Um, movies that were in the Netflix queue for like three years, and then Netflix took them off, and I was like, "Shit, <laughs> I meant to watch that. I really oh, yeah. did." <laughs> I, I will so say this: really about me catching up. That you're uh, you have inspired me with this idea. I think for the month of December. I am going to watch a Sybil Danning movie every day of the month. Oh, my God. Do you have a towel? <laughs> Sybil Danning. All right. It's like I'm letter, Kenny. So let's uh, start off the list, Miles. What did you watch? Number one. Let's go. Okay. My, my first, my first uh, movie on the list is called Edge of the Axe. Edge of the Axe. No, this. Yeah, this was a truly weird movie I had never heard of. It's an American movie. I mean, it's it's made in America, right? It's set in California. But it, it it's actually, it's one of those films that it's shot in a way that's very Italian or Spanish. Like the way the dialogue's delivered, everything. Uh, it came out in 1988. It's a slasher. And it was directed by a guy named Jose Larraz, who I think is, um, I can't remember if he's Spanish or if he's from South America. But it's actually it's set in California, it's in English and all that. And but it's it's got a very European like non-American feel to the way everything is done about it. The dialogue, the delivery, the editing, all of it is in kind of a European style rather than American. It's on. It's not a good movie. Oh, it's not. No, it's worth watching. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Okay. It's it's a bad flasher, but it's it's not. It's one of those charismatic bad flashes. Like the dialogue is horrible. The intuition level of the vic- of like the guy. Let me put it this way: There's a moment after a grisly murder where this uh, one character is like, they're all at the crime scene, and he's like, "Well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to take a shortcut through these woods." <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying it to the sheriff, and there's been like eight fucking horrible murders, and no one's like, "Hey, man, don't." 
don't do that. That's a fucking stupid idea. These guys got killed with an axe, and you're going to take a shortcut through the way. Nope, <laughs> nobody does it. So the movie like- full of that, which actually makes it funny. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, some pictures though. The killer looks cool. His like face is all like mm-hmm. a a cast. Yeah, okay. and and the kills are unbelievably brutal. Like they go on and on. Like it's Dario Argento style of the killer hits somebody with an axe like 14 or 15 times, and you see it all. I don't know what what kind of prop they were using, but these are full on baseball bat swings into bodies with an axe. Um, and a lot of the kills are set up in a really brutal, like mounting dread kind of way. So it's worth watching. If you're a fan of slasher films, you have to see it. It's also worth watching for just to, just to look at how bad some of the dialogue is and how pointless some of the subplots are. It's hard to put into words how, how some, how weird some of it is. But as for what it is, just a slasher at the tail end of the slasher, you know, craze, cause I'm now old and I was there for all the the 80s explosion of of flashers and this was at the this was at the height slash when everything was falling off you know when it was just getting completely played out and people were starting to get tired of it but this is a if you're a fan of the genre it's worth watching there's a kill so quickly in this movie and it happens in broad daylight in a car wash in a crowded city so it's like <laughs> it lets you know right off the bat I mean his business uh, Jack I take it you've never seen this no, I remember seeing this on like 2B or Shutter or one of those things. I, I can picture the poster. Isn't he like breaking through a door with the with the axe? Yeah, yeah, and he's got like yeah, it, it's it's the killer is yeah, it's got that white white like a like Mike Dell said, it's almost like a it's something it's a combination of like a blank white mask with eye holes and but it almost looks like plaster of Paris. It's it's an unusual unusual take on the uh, on the masked killer. It's a good look. Good look. All right, next up. The next up was a surprise for me. It was called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Hey, yeah, you told me about this uh, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had never heard of it, didn't know anything about it, and as soon as I realized it was a horror comedy, I almost turned it off because I do not like horror <laughs> comedies most times. The only horror comedy I ever really liked that I think is just a fun movie to watch is Arachnophobia. Um but The Wolf of Snow Hollow is a really good horror comedy if you like if you can stand comedy in your horror. I think the it balances some brutal kills with this really funny main character who's like this incredibly alcoholic, stressed out small town sheriff, and he's he's just a mass of neurosis. And he's he you can yep. tell he's just trying not to kill somebody the entire movie. He just wants to go off and he's his marriage is fucked up. His daughter can't stand him. His dad's dying. His employees are incompetent. And there's this killer that may or may not be a werewolf or it might be a serial killer. You can't tell. And his dad is played by Robert Forster. And this was Robert Forster's last role before he died. And um, I I met Robert Forster when I was in L.A. And he was one of the kindest, nicest actors that or just people that I've ever met in my life. Like just a wonderful human being. And if you're not familiar with Robert Forster, he was in like Jackie Brown and Alligator and Miracle on 23rd. Like he he was on Magnum P.I. Uh, a number of times. He's he's just one of those actors that was everywhere. You know, not a not a super famous guy, but he was in everything. Um, so it's a good movie. It's it's uh it's affecting. Like you actually give a shit about the characters in it. It took me a while to warm up to it because again, not a horror comedy fan, but I think they pulled it off. Like the funny shit is funny. And 
the kills are surprisingly gruesome. You know, like they get into it, it balances the, the the trick for me for horror comedy is balancing horror and comedy. You know, like, is this really funny or is this really scary? And I think that they they did a pretty good job with with it. It's not perfect, but I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Jank, he seemed excited when he said this movie. Yeah, I first heard about this on a, a film podcast I listened to because that Jim Cummings guy who plays the uh, the, the yeah. sheriff guy, yeah. and I think he liked it and wrote it himself too. Uh, he's made a couple of movies and they they liked all of his movies a lot. So when I saw this pop up on streaming, I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And yeah, it's very strange. Like the uh, the character is just such a fuck up, and like you keep thinking, yeah. oh, this is going to be the moment where he kind of redeems himself, but he never really does. He no, he doesn't. A- that's the thing that's so great about the character is he definitely gets some shit off his chest, you know, but <laughs> he, he's allowed to erupt. But he, he's just as much of a fuck up at the end of the movie as he was at the beginning of the movie. I mean, it's not like some 80s sitcom crying, hugging, learning, growing ending, you know, where everybody's just like going off to have a picnic together. I, I liked the way that he portrays the character as this guy who's right on the edge when you meet him. It's not like he's <laughs> yeah. driven to the end, you know, like Angel Heart, where they take Mickey Rourke's character and they push him and push him and push him. This is, he's right there at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, fuck, where, is <laughs> where does this poor bastard have to go? Like, he's going to explode. And I, I was affected by it. I was affected by just how frustrated this guy is and how pissed off he is. And just like nothing in his life is good. And, you know, the one thing he has is his sobriety gone, you know goes on huge benders and everything. It was just, I, I got a kick out of the movie. I'm sure not everybody would like it, but I, I as I said, I'm, I'm not a horror comedy fan, but this, this movie, after I gave it a chance, I had to wait about 20 minutes into it. I had to give it a chance, but I, I'm glad I watched it. It was, it was a good flick. It's one of those movies, I think, in my mind, I said, I'll probably watch this again someday. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. There you go. All right, next up. The next up was I decided to dig deep into the vault and I watched the camp classic Kingdom of the Spiders with William Shatner. Kingdom of the Spiders. <laughs> yes, it is about carnivorous tarantulas that overrun a small southwestern town. And William Shatner is a horse riding uh, two fisted veterinarian who <laughs> is investigating the, de- the suspicious deaths of animals from the spiders, but then the spiders decide to take off on people and they start, you know, moving in on the town and they're venomous and carnivorous and everything. And if you ever wanted to see William Shatner covered with live tarantulas running around, uh, this is the movie for you. I actually enjoyed this film quite a bit. It's ridiculous. Of course, it's a monster movie in the, in the, uh, tradition of seventies disaster slash monster movies. There were a lot of those, you know, and, I thought this is probably going to be the biggest piece of shit ever, but it's one of those movies. I actually, I, I had fun with it. It, you just accept it for what it is. And they actually spend some time building the characters up, which is fun. And they, you know, the, the spiders go on a rampage and they destroy the town and people get eaten. And I had a good time. The ending is surprisingly brutal. And I like that too. So nice. I enjoyed it. I, I was enjoying, you know, monsters have their place in horror movies, the, the old classic monster movies. And this was, this was fun. I mean, it's, I'm not saying this is a great film, but it was fun. 
it entertained me. It held my interest, which is increasingly hard to do as my adult onset ADD gets worse. Uh, 1977, and apparently you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, which is how uh, I got it. And that's that's uh, Wolfram Snowy Hollow or whatever. That is Amazon Prime. You can watch that if you want I paid for a couple of these films, but I tried to go the Mike Dell route for most of them yeah. <laughs> and either get them off YouTube. I have Amazon Prime. It's one of the few streaming services yeah. that I have left, so I have that. But I went to YouTube. I went on Netflix. I, I went where I had to go to watch these films. Um, but I had I had a fun with it. It's only fun if you like the seven, that whole eco-disaster-slash-monster thing from – uh, the days of yesteryear. They don't make too many movies like this anymore. They did for a while, but, you know, movies about bats turning bloodthirsty or whatever, like there is a subgenre of film that used to be pretty popular about, you know, just things getting irradiated and going on a rampage. <laughs> yeah. um, them with the giant ants, Night of the Leapest with the bunnies. <laughs> yeah. <That's> the, yeah. <laughs> the famous Night of the Leapest. But this, I enjoyed it. It was fun, and there's there's some fun deaths of the town being destroyed by the spiders, like water towers falling on the conveniently falling on the sheriff's car and everything. It was just, I had a good time with the movie <laughs> performances are well above the average. Um, plus you, you get to see uh, some incredibly inappropriate violence by Shatner um, <laughs> where he, he basically pimp slaps this woman at one point and I was Whoa. like, Whoa, holy seventies dynamic yeah. here, Batman. Cause that ain't happening now. <laughs> Yeah, look out for Shatner. Yeah. That's Shatner. He's tricky. All right. So uh, next up. Okay. Next up is another 70s movie. This one was terrible. It was called Grizzly. I guess a bear plays a a big role in this. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. And uh, it's about, it's literally a shot for shot, beat for beat remake of Jaws, but with a bear. (laughs) The bear. I'm not the bear can this swim. Up. Wait a minute. The bear cannot. Well, the, yes, yes. The bear can swim because he eats an incredibly stupid woman who's like, well, it's been four or five killings, but I'm kind of hot and sweaty. I'll go bathe in this waterfall. The bear was in the waterfall. <laughs> oh, spoiler no. alert. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, he can swim. Bears can swim. Mike Dell, you need to leave your house once a decade and you live in Pennsylvania. There's a few hey. small bears here. Go out and make friends with them. This is on uh, Tubi as well, if you want to watch Grizzly, 1976. It's horrible, but it's good for a laugh because, obviously, if you it, it was meant to rip off Jaws. Obviously, it's a cheap rip off of Jaws. But it's such a remake of Jaws and Jaws 2 that it's hard to, like, it's, it's shocking how much of a remake of Jaws in it, like the beats. And it even ends the way Jaws ended, where they... Can I spoil it? Because it's pre-spoiled. I mean, this movie's horrible. Yeah. They blow up the fucking bear with a rocket launcher. <laughs> this sounds awesome. They blow up the bear yeah, it is kind of awesome. And and Andrew Prine is it. I don't know. that He's not famous. He was in everything in the 60s or 70s, 80s, 90s. He, he was in V. He was in a lot of things that people recognize, like on the fringes. Like he's in a lot of good television shows and a lot of bad movies. But he's in several of these movies that I watched. He showed up. But at any rate, the... There is a hilarious kill sequence in this uh, in this movie where this poor bastard gets mauled by the grizzly. And grizzlies apparently bury their food like a lot of predators do, you know, so they can come back and eat it. Well, it mauls him, buries him, but he's still alive. And he has this heroic struggle 
to unbury himself, right? So he's mauled by a by a 1,500-pound grizzly. He manages to claw himself out of his own grave, and the grizzly's just sitting, sitting, there, sitting there, and then it fucking eats him. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, who wrote this movie? The Marquis de Sade? What was the point of that scene? That's pretty good. Uh, though, yeah, yeah it's, good. it's a terrible movie, but I have to admit, I, I did enjoy watching it because it's one of those movies like a kid gets eaten, a fucking mom gets eaten. <laughs> like, there's pretty much no pity. The bear doesn't give a fuck. Exactly why the bear needs to eat 11 or 12 people in a row is not answered because I'm pretty sure that it would be full at some point. It's it would just be like, yeah. I could. Yeah, you know this fucking thing. Jesus Christ! I, but no. I think uh, I think that should be the tagline for the movie. The grizzly. This bear doesn't give a fuck. They just have to go around. <laughs> well, we should do good. one of those honest honest trailer reviews or whatever those are called. Yeah, for grizzly. But it it was fun. Uh, it's terrible. So please don't blame me if you think it sucks because I'm telling you in advance it sucks. But it was fun. <laughs> All uh, right. Next. Next up was. Um, the Town That Dreaded Sundown, the original one from 76. This is a movie that I have known about for at least 35 years. Never heard and of it. And I, The Town That Dreaded Sundown is based on the real Texarkana Sundown murders, which happened in 1946. It was a whole series of murders and assaults that occurred with a guy who had the Friday the 13th Part 2 canvas, or excuse me, burlap sack on his head with eye holes cut for it. Okay. He actually re- was real, and he killed a bunch of people, and he wounded a couple, you know, a bunch of people. Like some people survived. One woman survived a bullet right through the head, but like he was this horrible serial murderer who operated in Texarkana in 1946, and he was never caught. So the movie is a docu-style horror film, and Andrew Prine's in it again. Yeah, I was going to say, going up that bear. I see that guy's picture. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's had enough. He he brought that rocket launcher to the Grizzly, and now he's going to come go head-to-head with the, the fucking serial killer. But this is a semi-true story. It's very obviously fictionalized, but it's a, it's basically a true story of how the law enforcement community and the Texas Rangers came in and tried to find this guy who was murdering people. And it's done in a documentary style. And the as far as the horror part goes, it's good. It's really brutal, surprisingly brutal um, film. And at one point, he shoots the woman in the head who played Marianne on Gilligan's Island. What? Don Wells? He yeah. shoots Don Wells in the head? He shoots Don Wells in the fucking head, and she lifts. And then he chases her into a cornfield at night under a full moon after he's done the – he shot the husband through the head through through the window. This is, a, this is a true part of the story. And she managed to escape. She got to her neighbors who had dogs and a shotgun, so the killer decided to do a quick fade. But – I couldn't believe it. I was like, Jesus Christ, I just watched Marianne take a bullet to the head. I don't yeah. know how to feel about this. Yeah, um, but it's not bad. It's 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 kind of ruined by the fact that they're constantly going for a comedy undertone because the, the the kills are really brutal. So they're they tried to lighten it up with this bumbling deputy who's always like driving into ponds and fucking up investigations and stuff. But it's a it's a well-known movie. It's a cult classic because if you look at the cover, you've probably seen the cover come up on a search at some point, like if you were searching horror movies. Um, and it was remade, and the remake is also on my list. Uh, Jank, anything on this? The Town That Dreaded Sundown? Uh, we lose Jank. Uh-oh. Did I put him to sleep? God. This early? <laughs> Oh, there I, I've seen both. Normally, it takes at least an hour. 
No, no, there he is. There he is. He's back. You've seen them both. It only takes an hour of me talking, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> been a while, but uh, the one, I, I remember the original being better, but the remake did have one kill that I remember, but I'll save that for when Miles gets to that one. <laughs> okay. That's probably the one I remember from either movie was one of the kills. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, next. Next up is Death Line. I had Death never Line. heard of this film. It yeah. is a British 70s horror movie with Donald Pleasance, and it also has Christopher hey. in it briefly. We're big fans uh, of Donald Pleasance here on the show because he was on an episode of Columbo. So we're big fans. That's right. That's his only claim to fame, not the hundreds yeah. of other top quality <laughs> films he makes. But, uh, yeah, Donald Pleasance is in it. He's great. Christopher Lee's in it. He's great. It's, uh, it's an incredibly weird movie about a cannibal who lives in the British tube, the underground, the metro. He lives underground um, in in this, like, hidden vault underneath the London tube, and he comes out to feed. And uh, it's full of all kinds of political, like socio-political subtext about British uh, British life. Like there's a big undercurrent of social commentary in it. But it's surprisingly graphic in some places. And uh, it's a weird film, but it's very well written. There's some great dialogue between Christopher Lee and Donald Pleasance. And uh, basically, it's a weird movie, but I'm glad I watched it. It's it's part of that whole, I think there's a whole sub-subgenre of subway movies. In horror, you know, movies <laughs> wow. that are that take place underground. Um, I've seen four Midnight or five Meat. at least in my life. Yeah, Midnight Meat Train is another one. Like those movies that are all like take place underneath the surface of a city. You know, Chud. Uh, Chud, yeah. All those type of movies, yeah. That that have that like things coming out to 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 come. Like your old sins are represented by these cannibals who are neglected underground. You know, type of thing. But there's some great dialogue in the movie. Um, it's disturbing. Like there's some, some, well, it's cannibals. Cannibals are always disturbing, but, uh, it's basically just this one cannibal who's living down there and he needs a mate, but he also needs to eat. So there's, <laughs> there's so a lot of shit going mate. on in that movie. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's undermined a little because the guy who plays the, the, there's a boyfriend character in the movie who's kind of central to it, who can't act. And he's like a nothing actor. Like I never heard, never saw him again. Never heard. Don't know his name. He's kind of dead weight because he's acting with these great guys, Christopher Lee and fucking Donald Pleasance and stuff. But it's uh, it's 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 a weird movie, but I'm glad I watched it. Let me put it that way. It's weird. It, it stays with you after it's over, which is a pretty big compliment coming from nowadays, the age of content where nothing has any resonance and you forget everything 15 minutes after you watch it. So glad I watched it. It's weird. But uh, uh, if you like cannibals. Yeah, who doesn't like cannibals? But I, I think it's on Amazon Prime as well. You can watch it over there. Yeah, it's it's a lot of these are free on if you if you have Prime. And I don't think Amazon always charges for these older seventies movies. They're generally free, I think, even if you don't have Prime, but I could be wrong there. Um Let me skip ahead to a more modern film. All right, here we go. I watched a movie called Blood Quantum. Never heard I of this one either. I haven't heard of any of these. Not a single okay. goddamn one. <laughs> well, we'll get to more familiar ones eventually. But I, I, like I said, I wanted to watch movies I'd never heard from. But Blood Quantum is a Native American twist on the genre, the zombie outbreak genre. Basically, it takes place on like the Red Crow Indian Reservation and up in Canada. And 
the zombie outbreak hits and these guys are it's the native american tribal police officer who is basically trying to keep order and it's just a zombie outbreak movie it's very well made for i i'm really tired of zombie outbreak films i'm kind of over them the i think the genre is totally played out but i have to say the first half of the film definitely is interesting you get like this whole kind of insight into life on the reservation um and these guys are trying to deal with it. And then there's like this whole subtext at the, in the middle of the film, the, the, the Indians, for lack of a better word, are like the stewards of the white people. So like the white survivors have come to kind of live in this fort that the Indians have built. And the Indians have to kind of debate about whether they want to let the white people live. So there's like, they're like, you know, like, fuck them. Maybe we should just let them all die. You know, they're kind of, and then there's other, no, we have to let everybody in and all this kind of stuff. And the, one girl's pregnant by a, a you know, uh, she's a white girl. And she's pregnant by this Indian guy. So there's like, there's some undercurrent sub social text to the, to the film. That's kind of interesting. I like the first half a lot. The second half is your standard walking dead, you know, zombies attacking um, people going crazy. Some of the humans are bad, blah, blah. It was worth watching. Found it entertaining. If you're a zombie fan, if you're a walking dead person, if you like the night of the living dead, if you're a zombie guy, Definitely worth a watch. I am not a huge zombie person, but the movie did entertain me. But uh, I just feel like that genre has nothing new to say. It gets 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you can also watch it on Amazon as well. Uh, Blood Quantum. Yeah, it's a well-made movie, and the acting is very good, and the writing's good, and there's nothing to criticize as far as that's concerned. It's just that ultimately it devolves into a survival horror thing with the fort you know the zombies are trying to attack and the there's internal strife that causes problems and it's like they didn't bring anything much new to the table with the story i was much more interested in like the the dynamics of this first nations group of people the tribe you know just like this guy is trying to sheriff is trying to keep order in this place and like balance all the racial problems and tensions. And then the drunkenness like of, of his nephew who's like a drunken thug. And it, it was like, I was fascinated by that. I could have watched a whole series about that. But then when the zombie element comes in, it was a little more like, oh, I've seen this before. So not a bad movie. Definitely worth your time to watch. I just thought it just kind of became the same old, same old down the road. Yeah. Um, Jack, I think rats, rats for a bucket dart. <laughs> yeah, Miles, you never saw <laughs> yeah. Letter Kenny. Have you ever seen Letter Kenny? I have seen Letter Kenny. Oh, look yeah. at you, proud of you. Yeah, yeah. That was a Letter Kenny reference. Bucket dart. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Next up is the Last Train from Busan. I had never seen this before. A lot of people oh. have seen this movie. Yeah, I think, um, Jake, did you talk about this on the show before? Yeah. When I was talking yes. about how much better Asians are at making uh, horror movies than the U.S. nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't wrong when you said that. Um, I, again, I, I'm totally done with, with, I feel like I'm just over zombie stuff. I worked on Walking Dead. I worked on Fear the Walking Dead. I've seen all this shit, and I'm just like, enough. I've, I've had it for a while. They, they're doing to zombies what they did to vampires just beating it to death and no pun intended. And I was like, I I don't want to watch this, but it had such good word of mouth and so many good ratings. I was like, now I'm just not seeing it out of spite. So I was like, grow up, watch a movie. Glad I did. Great movie. Excellent film. Definitely takes the zombie thing in the right direction by not really doing it 
it, it just the zombies are not really the story. The story is survival horror of this man who's estranged from his kid, who's taken the kid to see the estranged wife on her birthday, and they're on the train, and the outbreak happens, and it's how the people on the train survive, and how also the interpersonal relationships of the people on the train, and there's great character building. That wrestler guy, that sick big guy that, that befriends, sort of befriends the, the asshole protagonist, is a great character. Like, there's some great characters on the train, and everybody has a little arc. The daughter, the dad, the wrestler guy and his wife who's pregnant, the businessman who's the bad guy, the kid. Like, everybody in the story has something to do. And you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die, and there's, like, a lot of tragedy in the film, and there's a lot of social commentary, some of which will be lost in translation. Uh, because, you know, Korea's got its own, obvious culture that's not the same as every other culture. But basically, anybody can figure out the subtext of the, you know, the asshole rich guy who's trying to save himself at the expense of everybody else on the train and all this kind of stuff. And that there's a lot of distrust of government themes and stuff in it. But hey. it's a good movie. It's relentless. And there's real characters in it. And there's real emotional content to it. You know, like you, you don't. You don't want these people to die and you want to see them live and you don't know if they are going to live. And there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotion in what happens in the film. I was very impressed by the movie. It's as good as everybody said it was, which, you know, let's face it, doesn't happen that often. Jank, any other thoughts on uh, Train to Busan? I would agree with everything Miles said. Like, they did a good job of giving everyone a character, whereas American horror movies, it's mostly who can be the most annoying. <laughs> and they're all trying to win <laughs> That's it. That's so true. That's so, so true. Painfully true. And, yeah, like, the action scenes, like, the zombie, when the zombies did show up, was very, like, frenetic from what I remember and very full of energy. Yeah. And it was just... Yes. The, the, a lot of people are under the mistaken impression that the fast-paced, screaming like raging zombie came from 28 days later but actually if you've seen what is it return of the living dead um the one <laughs> not not the you know the, the that that style of zombie is is not you know you know it, it's definitely it existed before 28 days later but my point being there's two types of zombies Basically, there's a slow, shambling, dumb zombie of The Walking Dead, the classic zombie that wants to just eat you, but it's dumb as shit, and it's just sort of shambling along, and it bumps into doorways. And then there's the zombie that is full of rage and is coming at you at full sprint. Uh, Blood mm -hmm. Quantum zombies are like that on the movie that, that I just referenced, and uh, 28 Days Later and 28, day, 28 Weeks Later and all that. But this is that same type of zombie. The zombies are super frenetic. They're raging running you know jumping leaping smashing through things they're hysterical they're it, so they're much more vicious you know it's like piranhas basically um totally different approach to well not different but a totally violent approach to the zombie thing and they're not really zombies they're infected it's a little more resident evil in that style but they're they're definitely coming after you at high speed and that also made it interesting too. Like, can you, you know, can you get to the train before they run after you and kill you and stuff? So it's a relentless film. The pace is relentless. It's a good movie. I was very impressed by it. You know, I, uh, Fine I don't have a lot of set pieces. What was that, Jank? You broke up. Set pieces? 
Yeah, the, like the confined area of the train like makes for a lot of cool set pieces, and everyone trying yeah, like get yeah. different colors and things like that, and yeah, just a lot of cool uh, little moments. Yeah, they can't get off the train. It's very similar in that sense, that sense alone, but it's very similar in that sense to something like Alien, where you're screwed. You you are on this ship with this thing, and there's no way, there's nowhere to go. Like you can't leave. So these guys are just trying to get from car to car, you know, without being chomped on. So I thought that the the and then of course the the high speed train adds that element too of freneticism to it, where it's just speeding along, and meanwhile all these people are getting killed on the train, and then eventually they do stop, and then things get worse when they stop. So it's a good movie. Like I, I, there's not a lot of movies that add up to the hype, but I, I was very impressed by it. I'm just looking at yeah. some headlines. Apparently, there's going they're going to do a remake, The Last Train to New York, but uh, yeah. it seems like it just got shelved. So yeah, that'll be good. He said without yeah. any enthusiasm whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, even the setting, now, like the <laughs> Koreans, is cool. Like I don't think it would look the same in New York. Try to do it that way. No, there, there's we don't. It's just it's there's some films that just don't translate as well when they're when they're brought over. And that's going to be one of them, because the the whole thing of the high speed train is it's going, you know, at 100 miles an hour. And that's that's key to the story as well. But you can't jump off the damn train. It's not doing 30 miles an hour and, oh, I'll break a leg, but I'll live. You know, you can't jump off a train doing 120 miles an hour. You just can't. So, yeah. So there's that. I, I, I'm sure I'm sure they'll fuck it up if they remake it here, but whatever. Can't stop them. Alrighty. Next up. Next up is the Town the Dreaded Sundown remake. All right, there you go. All right, <laughs> Jerry, we talk, so we talked about this already, but uh, Jack, you had a memorable kill from this movie. Uh, yeah, I seem to remember, wasn't there a kill with uh, like a trombone where you'd either put a knife <laughs> yeah. at the end of a trombone? Like, yeah. And believe it or not, that kill, and be- that kill appears in both films. That kill appears oh, in both shit. films. Now, it's, it's worth saying that the remake is a little different from your ordinary remake because it's not a remake. It is not a remake. It is actually a continuation. It is a fictional add-on to the story. In other words, the 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 2014 Town the Dreaded Sundown exists in the same world as the documentary film. And the documentary film was meta before meta was a thing in that it existed in its own universe. So at the beginning of the original Town the Dreaded Sundown, you see people going in to see the Town the Dreaded Sundown in the 70s. So they're going in to see the film and then at the end of the film, you see that the killer is actually in the crowd. And in the remake, they the the original film exists. And in the original film, he he takes he finds these two people in a park, and they've just left a band performance, high school band performance. And he kills the guy, and then he takes his knife, he ties the girl to a tree, and he puts the knife on the trombone, and he stabs her over and over again with the trombone thing. <laughs> Well, he kills this gay guy really brutally in the film about 50 times by doing the exact same thing to this to this gay guy. He, this gay couple goes out to a junkyard to make out or something, and he kills the one guy, and then he ties the other guy to a sign and does the trombone death. So you'll never see a guy stabbed to death with a trombone unless you see these two movies, in which case you'll see it twice. Guy and a girl. 
and also just a tip for you uh, people who find yourselves in horror movies. If you want to go someplace to make out, maybe not an abandoned junkyard. Maybe you don't go there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say directly in front of the sheriff's station um, <laughs> during the day. That would just be my own personal, you know, choice there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but it's a forgettable movie. It's it's a very slickly produced movie. It's got all the color correction, framing, lens flaring, you know, it, it's very beautifully shot. It's overly filtered. It's overly produced. But it's it's they, they tried as hard as they possibly could to make the movie like, you know, they tried. They threw twists in and some of the twists actually work, but it, it's just a forgettable film. It's just one of those like you see it, you forget it, you move on. So if you're a horror movie fan, you might want to see it if you're bored one night. But I can't I can't give it more than about two stars. Um, there's one or two things in the movie that happen that are kind of brutally funny. Um, but beyond that, uh, it's, it's a, it has no resonance. It's a forgettable movie. Well, let's, let's take a break here to check in and see if Tuffy's still with us. Tuffy, are you still there? Did I kill yeah. him too? My... <laughs> no, Tuffy's there. Tuffy, uh, any of these movies, like... do, do any of these movies sound like something you would want to watch, Tuffy? Oh, I could not name one of the movies you've listed <laughs> off so far. <laughs> <laughs> You'll, you'll be able to list some some of these. Some of these you'll be shocked I haven't seen. But, but while I've been sitting here, Mike Bell, on Champions, I got a message from I don't know who, but it said, hey, here's something I forgot or whatever. And I got like 80 coins for this Shawn Michaels loot. What? No yeah, fucking this, idea what was yeah, going this on. Is a, Miles, this is a game we play involving a WWE, uh, the wrestlers. Oh, we we yeah, play it on our phone. And uh, <laughs> Tuffy somehow. So that is a. A real-world money value of, like, 200 fucking dollars. <laughs> it has to be a scam. The, you, just got, you just got hacked. That's what happened to probably, you. Probably. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm assuming. That's what I'm assuming. Whatever. This is going to be Tuffy's own horror <laughs> story later tonight. He's going to be making a movie about yeah, the champions. Yeah, pretty much. But, all right, just wanted to check in with Tuffy. Uh, all right, uh, what's up next there, Miles? All right. Next on the list, randomly... All right, I'll pick one everybody's heard of that I hadn't seen. I had actually seen several of the sequels, but then I realized I had never seen Paranormal Activity. Hey, I, I've never uh -huh. seen any of these, but I know Jank yeah. loves them, right, Jank? Yeah, oh, Pete loves them. Uh, <laughs> he made me watch them. His cousin <laughs> Pete loves them. Yeah. Larry loves I had never them. Doesn't Larry love them? Larry loves Katie. He is, he is head over heels for that Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, any thoughts on Katie from Paranormal? I have no idea who she is. I, I wasn't, I wasn't enamored of the actors in Paranormal Activity at all. But uh, it, it, yeah. uh, Paranormal Activity obviously spawned the whole slew of sequels, and and it's a found footage type of horror film. You know, it's super low budget. It's all mostly done on video. It's actually entirely done on video camera and. It's, uh, you know, somebody or other is always filming in the film and um, Blair Witch style, which is obviously that's they didn't invent found footage. But I normally hate found footage films and I try to avoid them. I really don't like them as a rule. There are some good exceptions. And one of them is on this list that really surprised me with how much I liked it. But I was entertained by this film. I I, I get why it's popular. It hit what it what it aimed at. It's it's that normal like jump scare. These people are living in a haunted house kind of thing. 
There's nothing about the film which is radical. There's nothing about the film which is like, holy shit, they broke new ground. But for a cheap, ultra-low-budget horror film, I think it does. It did what – it entertained me. It held my interest. Um, there's a couple of good jump scares and things of that nature. So I, w- I wasn't unpleasantly treated by the film. Um I had seen like one of the 8 million sequels they'd made and that also held my interest. It didn't, you know, it doesn't blow me away. These movies aren't, you know, classics. They're just like, they're low budget. They use no name actors and they, the, by, by doing the found footage thing, you, everybody can look directly at the camera. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's very, it's very relaxed style of acting. Let me put it that way. Because you don't really have to do anything acting-wise. You just shriek and run away from things that the audience can't see. That having been said, I thought it was uh, better than I was expecting. So it held my interest. Still not a fan of found footage. Don't think I will ever be. In a lot of ways, it's that guerrilla style of filmmaking, which is also can be considered lazy when the studios do it. If you're doing it because you don't have the money, that's fine. If you're doing it because you're a cheap-ass studio... Sometimes that's a little bit of a different animal. But I saw it. I liked it. I forgot about it. It didn't have a lot of resonance with me. Supernatural stories, pure and simple, are not, they don't generally scare me very much. There's a couple good jump scares. I did not find the female character in this to be anywhere near as annoying as the one from Blair Witch Project. That was my big fear. I thought there was going to be a lot of shrieking and yelling and just, that movie just was like fingernails on a blackboard for me. <laughs> she wasn't that irritating. So people have warned me. They're like, you know, there's a lot of the, this. The characters are yelling. The guy's annoying. And the, But the, the big problem with the film, in my mind, is that neither one of the main characters I really gave a shit about because they're kind of annoying people. But compared to the Blair Witch woman, who I actively wanted dead throughout the entire film, I was like, please kill her. Please. Someone shoot a crossbow at her. Set her on fire. Give her to the kingdom of the ants or the spiders, whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. Locusts, bunnies, anything. Night of the Lepus. Just get rid of her. That, <laughs> the, these people weren't anywhere near that annoying. So, Jack, any thoughts no. on the paranormal movies? Uh, I mean, this one, compared to some of the later ones, like the marked ones, uh, that one was god-awful. This is practically a masterpiece <laughs> compared to that. But uh, it still wasn't one of my favorites, but- I don't know. Like it's there's very. I don't even think they scripted the lines. To be honest, I think they just kind of let the people go and you know make up your own dialogue. Yeah. Essentially, a lot of yeah. it's just basically the same scene over and over again. Where he, she's like, "Hey, did you call that like uh, exorcist guy yet, or the paranormal investigator guy?" He's like, "Nope, didn't do it today. Maybe tomorrow." And then the next day they have the same fight again. <laughs> like, "Hey, did you call that guy?" <laughs> yeah. No, <didn't> do it. <laughs> and the guy. Well, so it's very. What, this movie's kind of like. This movie's kind of like that sweater you have where if you pull on the thread, the thing is going to be a fucking pile of lint on the ground in about 30 seconds. Like, what he said is exactly true. There, There's even a hilarious scene where the guy finally shows up. The exorcist walks in, and he's like, well, I've got to leave. I don't want to be. I'm <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of bad energy, and he just leaves. And I was like, that is the greatest thing that I have. Like, my butthead voice came on to me, and I was like, that is the greatest thing that I have ever seen in cinema. Because he doesn't come in and be like, oh, the power of Christ compels you. He's like, fuck this. I'm leaving. And he leaves. But it's a typical guy <laughs> thing. Like, the guy in the film, 
is like, no, I'm the man. I'm going to take care of you. I've got this under control. And I'm like, dude, you're literally the house is fucking haunted. <laughs> what do are you the- doing? <laughs> yeah. With your video camera oh, like that. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's again, it's not a movie that holds up under scrutiny. So and it's not a movie that the next day I was like thinking about it. Um, oh. I, I was just pleasantly surprised by the fact that I didn't hate it because everybody sold me Blair Witch Project as you've got to see this. It's life changing. Oh, my God. It's so fucking scary and terrifying. And I was like, it's really just annoying people screaming at each other in the woods for two hours. I'm like, just kill them and bury them in the woods and fucking change. You know, let me watch a good movie. <laughs> hey, let, let me yep, give it up. Fair. Let me give Tuffy an update on the WWE champions. I also got those 80 free coins. And I, yeah. uh, I got uh, a Roman Reigns head of the table. The tribal chief, ooh. Tuffy. The tribal chief. Yeah. Okay, so, I got all right, a Miles. zombie undertaker out of mine. Ah, uh, sucker. All right. All right, Miles. Uh, <laughs> how many? How many movies have we done so far? Um, we've done a chunk. Um, a dozen, I think. Good lord! All right, let, let's uh, let's keep it rolling. I I want to mm-hmm. get to a movie that we uh, actually recognize. Well, I recognize the train from Busan, I guess. I recognize. Okay, that one. I'll switch yeah. to one everybody knows. That this is the one that I had seen twenty five times, but never sat down and watched the entire film. Uh, I realized this when I was compiling my list. I was like, I've never, I've never sat down and watched The Lost Boys from beginning to end. Hey, The Lost Boys! Now this is one I have actually seen. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, I had not seen The Lost Boys from like turn the movie on to roll the credits. Like I had never seen it. I'd seen it twenty times, but I'd never seen the entire thing. So I was like, I need to sit down and watch this this movie all the way through. Jank. And, uh, we had to but, see go ahead. Sorry. Sax man. Did you see the sax man part? Oh my God. Are you kidding? I took pictures of it and sent it to people and said, what movie am I watching? And they all got it instantly. Everybody knows about yeah, the right. greased up, muscular, skanky guy with a purple pants playing the saxophone at the beginning of that film. Like everyone knows that he's in that film and it has nothing to do with the movie. He's <laughs> the most yeah, this is about vampires, right? Uh, Jason Patrick, yeah. wasn't he in this? Am I thinking? Yeah, Keeper Sutherland, Jason Keeper Patrick, uh, both the, the Corey, Corey, yeah, Corey Dame and Corey Feldman. Um, and was it the kid from Edward uh, Bill Herman. and Ted? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's Winter. his name? Edgar Winter? Alex, Alex Winter. Alex, Alex Winter. Winter, yeah. Um, and the mom, too. The mom is, uh, I got to look that up. Who's the mom? Yeah, what's her name? She's in everything back then. She's, uh, Jamie, no. Um, Jamie Gertz? She's one of the, the the girl, right? The girlfriend? um, Yeah, that was the girlfriend. Uh, Diane Weist. Yeah, her name doesn't, Tim, Tim holy shit, I just looked up the saxophone player and he's old, but he's still wearing the purple and holding the saxophone (laughs) in this Google image. I fucking love that so much. He's cameo. Holy I've seen it yeah. pop up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Lost Boys, classic, uh, vampire film, fun. Um, the, the writing is not great, but the acting is good. Kiefer Sutherland, who, who I bumped into once, um, in a bar, cause that's where you'll find Kiefer Sutherland generally, <laughs> is terrific <laughs> in the movie as a vampire. He was born to play smarmy, evil prick characters and the the david the character that he plays uh 
He's David, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, that sounds right. right. Yeah, he's David. He, he is perfect as a vampire with that spiky, gluey fucking hair that he has like Billy Idol. And he's perfect. He's, he's perfect. And it's a, it's a great story about him trying to bring Jason Patrick into the fold. Um, there's a lot of funny shit. I was surprised. I can't, I could never tell the difference between Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. <laughs> Corey Haim's the one that died young, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Corey Haim in the movie, I couldn't stand Corey Haim and Corey Feldman growing up. I wanted to kill yeah. Corey Feldman with an axe. I couldn't with you. stand him. Yeah, I never and <laughs> I still can't stand him, so nothing's changed. But I have to, I have to say that Corey Haim's performance in the movie is surprisingly good. Like, he's funny. He's sure-footed. He's confident. It's a good performance. Corey Feldman is as annoying as he always was. I can't stand that fucking guy. Uh, but I have to say Corey <laughs> Haim was good in the movie. <laughs> Corey Feldman's character in this movie is called Edgar Frog. Yeah. yeah. He came back for the sequels because he didn't have much going on by then. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he's a troubled, troubled individual, but I, <laughs> he's got stories. But the 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 movie is fun. It's entertaining. It does the classic vampire thing, but it takes the story of Peter Pan basically and kind of vampires it. You know, they're the Lost Boys, <laughs> and it's about that uh, the choice. You know, to to be you, you're gonna rock and roll all night, live forever, party, <laughs> but you gotta kill people to do it. You know, is he and is Jason Patrick going to be one of them or is he not? You know, so I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It holds up. Um, the 80s yeah, fashions sure that that uh, some of the characters rock are absolutely fantastic. Um, assaultive in their in their color kaleidoscope quality, but it's uh, Ed, Edward Herman's in it, I think. Yeah, he's yes. good, and it's a good movie. It's a fun movie, and. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's it's it, it's one of those movies that you kind of wish, like, oh, shit. Like, am I going to watch this and be disillusioned and it's going to suck? I, I, something from my childhood that would – nope. It's just as much fun as it was back then. So mm-hmm. finally sat down and watched the whole film. Oh. Oh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Le- Larry loves the Lost Boys. I know. He loves the Corys. So, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, next up. Next up, I will go to the 1979 Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. This is about Salem's witches. Is the, it's uh, vampires, actually. It is ah, the second uh, novel that Stephen King ever wrote, and it was made yeah. into a three-hour TV movie that a lot of people in the from a certain generation grew up with. And the vampire effects in the movie hold up to this day. They're really cool. They're, it's like the Nosferatu take on a vampire where it's not even remotely human. Like it's got glowing eyes and fucking big fangs and bat ears and all that shit. Um, it's entertaining, fun. It's a little slow. It's, it was made around 78, 79, I believe. And, uh, kind of fun vampire film. It, it has a vampire slash haunted house thing going on, kind of a blend of genres. If you like vampire movies, it's worth taking a stab at. David Soul is the protagonist in the film. You will recognize almost every actor in the movie. If you like uh, 70s, 80s, 90s television, you will recognize all the actors in it. Um, yeah, I love David Soul. Hey, was it was this a movie or is this a, a, a TV series? 
It was a TV miniseries that uh, yeah, is generally shown as a three-hour film. And three uh, James Mason's in it. He's really good. Uh, no, but it, it, it holds up. It's not it's not great by any means. It's dated. But some of the vampire shit's kind of spooky. And even now, like it's not it, by today's standards, it's tame because it was a TV movie. They did two versions, a much more violent European version and the American version. But it <laughs> it does hold up reasonably well. It's a weird structured film. A lot of Stephen King's early writing has terrible, terrible structure. Mike Dell, you would have had fun as an editor <laughs> trying to get him under control. Books like Cujo and Salem's Lot are horribly structured. Just there's no regard for the logic of the way the plot develops. But um, I had a kick watching it just because if you're a fan of like retro horror, you know, 70s era, 80s era kind of horror, it's a little different. It's not a slasher. It's vampires. There's a lot of vampires doing a lot of bad things in the town, killing people, eating people, um, et cetera, and so on. But uh, definitely if you're a fan of classic horror, it's worth a look. If you're not, don't even come near it. All right. Fair enough. Although it does have a uh, Hutch in it, you can never go wrong with Hutch. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. You got to have some David Soul in your life. All um, right. Next, the next film I will talk about is a modern film. It is one I missed: Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I had never seen Sinister. It is, I think, 2014 or so, fairly recent. Um, Really, I really liked this movie. Uh, it was a pretty big hit. It has Fred Thompson in it, Ethan Hawke's in it. Um, it's a small cast. It's a very atmospheric movie about a writer who is a true crime writer who moves into the house where this horrible series of murders occurred because he wants inspiration and his career is failing. And his family is kind of stressed out and he's got two kids and he's kind of like, I'm going to move into this house and get the atmosphere and, you know, I got to recapture my best-selling glory and everything. And, of course, moving into the house where all the murders occurred was a terrible idea. And uh, normally I don't like supernatural horror films, not because I don't like them, but because they don't scare me. But this film had enough menace and unease, constantly increasing shit going wrong in the film and it also sidestepped a lot of the tropes of the genre like the guy's career is failing but it doesn't there's a lot of plot steps i thought they were going to take where like the wife is all bitter and is like i'm leaving you if you don't fucking do nope like she's super supportive and the kids are pretty good and i was like where are they coming at with this film so it's like the guy moves in and he finds all this super eight film of all these murders in the house and so he starts thinking that there's something much larger going on than just the murders that he was there to write a book about. And, you know, I, I like the movie. Also, uh, Private Pile from uh, what the hell is his name? Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, he's on Skype the whole time. Yeah, he's on Skype the entire movie and he's in many scenes, but he's uncredited in the film. It's kind of funny. Um, he must have done it for free as a favor to somebody. Um or to pay off a debt to somebody, but uh, he, he plays a professor who the author Ethan Hawke consults about, you know, who he thinks see, there's a symbol on the wall written in blood and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I, I thought it was a really nice take on the kind of, there's really only two themes in horror. You've got your shit that could happen and your shit that couldn't happen. 
you know, your supernatural stuff and you're more like guy hitting you in the head with an axe. And this is both. So I was kind of like, oh, all right, let's go with that. It's a good movie. I was I was impressed. It's one of the better movies that I've watched in my horror takedown so far. I, I liked it a lot. A lot of the modern horror kind of leaves me cold, not really interested in it. But I, I like the way they handled this film. I like the way it was shot. I like Ethan Hawke's performance. He's kind of a prick in the film. He's a like, like you don't want anything bad to happen to him, but he's kind of a dickhead. And I like that. Like they don't portray him as like this noble, happy guy. He's kind of a dick. All right. Fair enough. And his uh, wife it, measures his writing progress by how much whiskey he drinks, which <laughs> being a writer, I can completely appreciate. Jank, any thoughts She's like, on you're not sinister? normally going to a bottle a day until the third month of the novel, and you're doing it after two weeks. And I was like, oh, my God, this is priceless. As I Jank. crack another bottle. Jank, any thoughts on the uh, Sinister? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Miles. This was a great movie. Uh, I saw this one in the theater back in the day, and I uh, really liked it. Those Super 8 uh, you know, home movies that he finds are all great. <laughs> They're not very graphic, like you don't end, end up seeing a lot, but just what what happens is, you know, pretty intense. No. Pretty cool. Exactly. Exactly. They know, they know, unlike, say, I don't know, Rob Zombie, they know how <laughs> to do in this film, how to show you gore in like a little installment and how to imply that horrible things happen. And you see some things very graphically, but you don't yeah. see much. It gives the impression of having shown you a lot more than you actually saw. Which, if you've ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the geniuses of that film is you walk out of the theater thinking you've just seen the most disgusting film of all time. When you actually rewatch the film, you're like, they barely showed anything in this movie. But they leave you the idea <laughs> that they did. And that was one of the cool things about Super 8 is like you, whenever he puts one of those in for another thing, and then all of these horrible titles like Barbecue, you know, yeah. <laughs> hanging around, you know, painting the house. And each one has this horrible <laughs> subtext once you see it. But nothing is like hostile where you're seeing, you know, people slice the bits and it just goes on and on. You're not seeing it. You're, you're getting these badly lighted, you know, super eight glimpses of what's happening. And you're like, what the fuck? So, yeah, I was a big <laughs> fan of the film. It was it was one of those films that, that again, this is another one that I, I felt like it was sold to me as a lot. And I got a lot like it was as good as everybody told me it was so that was very refreshing Alrighty. in their hand i would not bother with <laughs> yes i will i will forego the next movie because it's the burning yeah, yeah 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 um yeah so we'll skip the burning until our until our analysis uh and i will then mention a, a, a movie that i watched because stephen king recommended it in his book dance macabre it's called Prophecy. It is a 70s, late 70s eco-horror film. And it's got uh, Armand DeSante and uh, Robert Foxworthy and all these other people that you'd recognize if you saw their faces. They're not famous necessarily, but you will recognize them. And uh, it it has the single, one of the single funniest kills I have ever seen in a film I not only had to stop the film to fall off the couch crying, laughing for two minutes, I videotaped it with my phone and put it on Facebook because it is the most fucking absurd thing that I've ever seen in my life. Prophecy is a classic film about 
pollution creating monsters in the I don't remember if it's all it's Maine actually it's up in Maine. This this doctor gets called up for the like the CDC or the something and to investigate environmental pollution that's affecting births and all this stuff. So he goes up there and they discover that mercury in the water is creating these monsters that live in the forest and they're eating people. And the local logging company or whatever's covering it up. It's actually a pretty fun movie. It the the monster looks like a bear turned inside out. It is one of those <laughs> low budget monsters that they shoot in close up is great in close up. In the later part of the film when the monster's attacking, you're like, That's just a bear with no fur. What the fuck am I watching here? And there's a lot of laugh out loud shit that happens in this movie. And a lot of shit that is just ridiculous. Like the bear seems to know where everybody is in the forest. Um, just like Friday the 13th part four, where Jason apparently read the script because he knows exactly where to be at every given moment for all these people to kill them when they're alone. Who but, do you think uh, would win in a fight? The monster from prophecy or the bear from grizzly? Oh, fuck. That's a great question. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I'm I'm leaning towards the 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 bear from Prophecy because he's got no skin. He just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, that other bear didn't give a fuck either. Hey, uh, this was directed by John Frankenheimer. It's pretty famous. Was it really? Right? I don't think yeah. I don't. Yeah, he's, he's classic old school director. Didn't he direct the French Connection? Um, possibly. Uh, seven Days in May. I don't, I, no, awesome. I don't think he did French Connection, but um, let me look. It doesn't matter. Keep talking. No, but he's, he, John Frankenheimer was one of the top directors in Hollywood for like 20 years. But at any rate, uh, Prophecy is an eco film. You know, it's about like there, there's a lot of uh, thing about like the, the Indians getting fucked um, by the, the company. Like they, they go deep into that. Like how the Native Americans are all getting fucked by like the pollution on their land, and um, they go deep into the whole like stop dumping shit. Like Robert Foxworthy's wife is Talia Shire. Yeah, Adrian. Talia Shire, Adrian from Rocky, <clears throat> and uh, Connie Corleone from the Godfather movies. Talia Shire is pregnant and eats some of the poisoned fish, so you don't know like if her baby is going to be a monster. Like that's left very ambiguous. Um, but I was entertained by the film and if you've ever seen a teenage girl in a sleeping bag, try to get away from a bear turned <laughs> inside out and she's jumping up and down like a jumping bean trying to flee. And then she gets hit and flung about 40 feet into a rock and explodes, not in blood, <laughs> but in feathers from the sleeping bag. That's and good. then you have to fall down on the ground laughing for two to three straight minutes before you then replay the entire thing and put it on your Facebook story and Instagram reels. Uh, you don't know what you're missing with that. It is the funniest fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. It is worth watching the movie to see this girl get killed by the inside out bear. And Frankenheimer did French connection too. Um, oh, but okay. I, I, I probably good. remember him most from the Manchurian candidate. He also did Black Sunday, that okay. movie about the uh, terrorist attack right. at the Super the, Bowl, the Steelers. At the Super Bowl with the blimp. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, Birdman of Alcatraz. But yeah, that, that was Prophecy, uh, entertaining monster movie with economic, uh, you know, undertones. But, you know, it's worth my time. All right. Um, 
I enjoyed it. Next film up is this one was really, really good. Uh, I liked it anyway. It's Quarantine. I do not like found footage. I've said that repeatedly tonight, but this is a good found footage movie. Probably the favorite movie of all the movies that I watched uh, so far. It's a remake of the movie Wreck, which came out in 2007. It was a Spanish movie. It was a rare case of an American film ripping off a European or Asian film, and it's still very good. Like, it's just basically a ripoff of the movie. There's no, you know, pretense that they're doing anything new. And it's just, it's a very simple film. It's about this reporter and her cameraman who they decide to go out one night with some firefighters in downtown L.A. And they're just, it's just, doc, you know, they're doing the, we're going to go out at night and answer some calls. And they go to a building on Wilshire and they go into the building because they, there's some weird behavior going on in there and the LAPD shows up. And then all of a sudden the building gets quarantined from the outside. And all these people, the people that live in the building and the two cops and the firefighters and the the local news TV crew get trapped in this building. And everyone in the building is developing basically it's rabies. Fast acting. It's like a zombie film in that sense. It's the outbreak film. You know, it's just zombies by another name. Xenos. Zombies in name only. I don't know what the fuck to call it. But... They're trapped in this building, and the government has sealed them in, like the, the the Centers for Disease Control, NIH, the LAPD, the Army show up, and they basically, like, they put plastic sheeting over the building, and they're not telling anyone inside what's going on. And in the meantime, there's, like, the people in the building are turning rabid, and they're trying to kill the other people, and the, everything goes to shit. And it's a really relentlessly paced, violent film. Uh, it starts a little slow. First 15 minutes are slow, but the pace just keeps going and going and going. And these people are totally fucked. And it's, I was really surprised by how gripping the movie was. Because, I, again, it's just not my favorite genre of people yelling into the camera, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But, like, they handle it really well. There's a lot of movement. The reactions of the main reporter character, to me, were very realistic. She's She's cool at first. Then she's stressed. And then there's just this systematic breakdown in her personality. But that also goes to the cop. It goes to the firefighter. Like, everyone's kind of falling apart, but they do it in a very realistic way. She doesn't crack too early. She holds on a good long while. Like, she's brave, but the situation just gets to her. And I was like, damn, they're they're handling this the way that it would be handled. And um, it was a good movie. It was scary. It, there's jump scares. There's dread. There's you know, anti-government shit where they're like they're trying to get out of the building and the government starts shooting at them. You know, like they, it's it, the way it's handled, I thought was realistic in a horror movie kind of way, but it's just, it's, it's the pace is unrelenting and it doesn't go on too long. The only mistake they make at the end of the film is they explain too much about what happened. There was no need for any of that, but it's got one of those devastating endings and I just liked it. It was a good movie. I would highly recommend it. Jank, did you ever hear of it? Yeah, you know what? I started watching this. Uh, it's got, you know, Jennifer Carpenter, who played Dexter's sisters in it. Um, but that's, I, I made it about 15, 20 minutes, and then for whatever reason, I just had to stop and do something else and never went back to it. <laughs> that's a good sign. Uh, so maybe Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the only still, I was still in the film slow in my book. mind, 
was the first 15 minutes are a little slow. I was kind of bored, yeah. but they do that deliberately in retrospect. I think it was deliberate. They were trying to kind of like show you that these people are just blundering into this situation. And that was my only real beef with the film. They explained some shit at the end they didn't need to. Not fatal to the story. They just didn't need to do it. The the right. trick of the original I'll Halloween was the best. You know, you don't have to explain everything. Like, that's, you don't have to explain it. All righty. How many more we got? Mm. I don't know, 10, maybe? Holy fuck. 10 more. <laughs> <laughs> You you put in some work this month, Miles. You put in a lot of work, man. I told you I was doing 31 movies in 31 fucking days. (laughs) I wasn't screwing around. Well, I can eliminate here. I can eliminate this one. (laughs) I'm sure everybody saw that. I guess I can eliminate the Salem's Lot remake. Yeah, we. It doesn't have much. (laughs) We don't need that. Forget that. That was kind of fun, but. Anytime, I mean, I love Stephen King, but anytime he takes a direct role in the writing of a film, it, yeah. he's not a not a dialogue guy. Um, yeah, we'll get rid of that. Uh, one movie I really did like, uh, it, it, because it was upsetting, was Triangle. I had never heard of it. Hey, I think I watched this uh, a couple years ago. Is, is this like people okay. are dead, but they're on a ship and stuff? Yeah. 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 Triangle, just very briefly, two sentences, is about this woman who goes sailing with a bunch of people she doesn't really know that well. And they get caught in this freak storm. The boat capsizes and then a freighter pulls up and they go on the freighter and there's nobody on it. And it's like a ghost ship and bad things happen from then on. And it's one of those movies that go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but yeah, you got to the first time I was watching through, I was like, yeah, this is all right. And then by the end, you realize, oh, wait a minute. This movie is about something entirely different than what I thought it was about. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it, then it got really good then when you piece it all together. Like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, this is pretty good. It's a, it's it's what I call a two-movie watch. You have to watch the movie twice in the sense that when you get to the end, you realize that, as Mike Dell just said, it's not about what you think it's about. Yeah. And all the things that happen in the movie take on a different significance when you see it or when you think about it for the second time, the whole idea of something repeating itself over and over again in film usually is death to me. I usually hate that. Can't stand it because it's boring. In this film, they handle it really, really well. When time repeats itself with the characters, they are smart enough to keep moving the perspective and the POV around so that you don't really notice that you're seeing certain things several times in a row. So I was impressed with the movie and I was impressed with what it was trying to say. I don't want to give away too much, yeah. but it's kind of a sad film, but yes. it's, it's a very thoughtful horror movie. It's violent, but it's thoughtful. The characters aren't what they appear to be. The situation isn't what it appears to be. It was just, I love it when people who are doing horror actually try to bring something new to the table because horror, unlike most genres, most genres have their tropes and all their conventions, but horror is really, really saddled with we all know what's going to happen kind of thing. That's why the Scream movies are famous, because they make fun of the tropes. This movie is beyond tropes. It, it just takes a completely different tack onto 
how to handle a horror movie. So I won't say anything more than that because it's one of those movies you can ruin easily by talking too much about it. Yeah. But I I liked it. I was impressed by it. Yeah, Jake, you've never watched it, have you? No. Yeah, you should check it out if you ever find it somewhere. It's yeah. uh, Again, stick with it because at first you're not going to think it's that special. But by the end, it's like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah, yeah so. they're trying to tell you something, but you have to watch it all the way through to the end before you realize what exactly they're going uh, going to. It, it probably um, could have used a different title. Triangle doesn't really catch your attention or anything. Like, what the fuck No, is they, they were going for the Bermuda Triangle angle yeah. because it is it's boats on the sea and there's weird things happening. Yeah. And, yeah, that was that was not a good um, marketing decision. But beyond that, good film, liked it. Um, it's like it's streaming on the cock. Ah, oh, you can watch it on the cock. All right, good job. <laughs> on the cock. Yeah, interesting way of describing it. I'll have to write that one down. Well, it's um, not that tricky, but yeah. Here's one I'd never, I'd never seen before. I've seen the poster for probably since I was about 12 years old. It's called Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried. Yeah. Uh, 1981. Movie, yeah, this movie really surprised me because I thought it was either going to be one of those like over-the-top, gory, horrible films or I thought it was just going to be stupid. It was a really good horror movie. It's brutal. There's a lot of brutal killing in it, but it's very well designed. The characters are people you get invested in. There's some humor in it. It's thoughtful. It's well-written. It's well-acted. It comes at the whole horror genre. Again, this is a right angle film, as I call them. It's like it comes at the idea of how do I tell a horror film that's just unusual without the guy hey, lurking in the woods with an axe or Hey, Miles Watson, let me stop you there. Do you know who directed this? Was it, it wasn't Toby Hooper, was it? No, it's a guy named Gary Sherman. He also directed Deathline, that other mm. one you liked. Look at that. And Robert England is in it as a very young man. The future oh. Freddy Krueger is in it. He couldn't have been more than in his early 20s. Um, most of the actors you won't recognize, I didn't, but it's basically about this sheriff and there's these horrible murders that are occurring that just very violent murders that are occurring in his tent. You didn't recognize Jack Albertson? Jack Albertson? You don't recognize, Um, he was on Chico and the Man, Jack Albertson. He was the man, (laughs) the Chico. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe I did recognize people and I don't know. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long month of a lot of horror films, but, uh, I thought this was a good movie. It's got some horrific kills. Um, but it's not like, I don't know exactly know how to describe it, except to say that there's a story in this movie, an actual story that's being told. It's not just like, Oh, set up, kill, set up, kill. It's, there's a story being told. There's a mystery involved. Everybody's involved in the story. And you like the characters, and it's like this quirky seaside town. If you ever watch Murder, She Wrote, it's like Cabot Cove, but in a horror movie. Like, it's this small, isolated beach town, and the sheriff doesn't even carry a gun, you know? It's like, and he doesn't understand what the fuck is happening in his town. And, like, all this shit just develops, and it's just... I was very impressed with this movie. I'm surprised it doesn't have a bigger following. But it's also the kind of movie that it takes a little more thought in its premise than most horror movies do. 
So I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. I think it should be much more famous than it is. I was pleasantly surprised by how good the movie was. It's a brutal film. Like there's, you know, they don't spare anybody in this movie. Family comes to town with a kid. Nope. <laughs> nope. Guys taking pictures on the beach. Nope. You know, like burned alive, syringe through the eyeball. Like they don't, they don't fuck around in this movie with the kills, but it's a, uh, it's a thoughtful horror film all the same. So I would, I would give that some marks. It's um, also on Tubi. So it's a Tubi classic. Yeah. I did not pay to watch it, which was a plus. Uh, let's see. Next one. And we're coming towards the end here now. I This is one I saw harder, more all of, but I was like probably like 16. It's Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. <laughs> and you can hardly find this. You have to watch this movie on YouTube, I think, is the only place I could find it. It was directed by a French guy or a Spanish guy or something like that. It's, it's another one of those weird movies that's in English, but it has a really European sensibility. It's called Mr. Frost. And Jeff Goldblum plays a guy who kills like 30 people and he's put in an insane asylum and he tells his psychiatrist that he's the devil. And the movie is about him basically saying, I have to convince you that because the psychiatrist is like she's an atheist and she's all up in science. And he's like, I'm Satan. I'm the devil, whatever. And you're going to admit that I'm the devil by the time this whole interplay is over. And so it's basically just like this argument between this guy who may be insane or is he actually Satan? And this chick who is the, she's just his shrink. He's in an asylum for the criminally insane. And so it's basically about Jeff Goldblum being this like weird version of the devil. Like it's the Jeff Goldblum version of the devil. So you can picture that. Yeah, I think it's he's pretty basically easy to picture, destroying yeah. this woman psychologically. Yeah, he's destroying this woman, basically being like, you know, you're going to admit that I am the devil and that God is real and that the devil's real and all the supervision, you know, all supernatural shit is real. And then you're going to kill me. Like, that's his challenge to her. He's like, you're going to actually commit murder and you're going to kill me. And the whole movie kind of devolves towards this point where he's going to talk her into killing him. So. I saw this when I was younger and I was like, Jeff Goldblum's obviously awesome. But <laughs> well, it's a very different <laughs> it's a very different way of approaching a film. Of like, I'm gonna like by the end of this conversation, you're gonna do X, whether you want to or not. And I was like, Okay. And it's a it's a good movie. It's not like, you know, the greatest movie you'll ever see, but I definitely was into it. I enjoyed it. And I think he was very good as a, as playing that character in a very different kind of way than you're used to seeing. We have some experience with Jeff Goldblum here on this radio show because we've watched uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Uh, oh, God. Transylvania, Transylvania. 6 9, or whatever the fuck that was. Uh, that was enough, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. Vibes yeah. with Cindy Lauper ah. and Peter oh, yeah, Falk. I seem to remember Vibes closing the same day it opened. but Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah. Peter Falk was great. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Vibes actually killed Cindy Lauper's career for about. 20 <laughs> I think it years, did. Yeah, but, <laughs> I think it actually did. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't blame him for taking a paycheck. But at any rate, um, liked it. 
definitely more of a thinking man's horror movie, but there's certainly a number of horrible deaths in it. And uh, I thought he was very good in that role. He was he was a very unorthodox way to play that character. Sorry, Mr. Frost. And then I watched both versions. I'll do this as a two in one. Both versions of House of Wax, 1953 and hey. 2005. Hey, Jake, didn't we watch House of Wax here on this show one time? Oh, I think. You're, oh, he's thinking of Waxworks, I think. Oh, Waxworks, okay. All right. Oh, mind. Waxworks, great. Yeah. Loved Waxworks. That's it's a neat, hot. Uh, chick from Waxworks. She's still hot. Um, Does House of Wax have a Paris Hilton in it, like the remake or something? Yeah. The remake did, yeah. The original was Vincent Price and a very young Charles Bronson. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, in an unspeaking, a large but unspeaking role. He played a deaf mute. But uh, the original House of Wax was a was a 3D film that came out in 1953 out of Vincent Price. Surprisingly good movie. Um, enjoyed it quite a bit. Very entertaining. About Vincent Price gets burned, uh, basically becomes a fan of the opera type who murders people in covers them in wax so that they can be in his wax museum. It's fun, entertaining, very hammer horror-esque film. A lot of fighting, killing, burning, and people being murdered and dressed up in wax. It's it's, it's a surprisingly good movie. If you like the old classic horror movies, I like it. The 2005 version is nowhere near as bad (laughs) as you would expect. I'm not saying it's great horror, but at least they took the slasher film in a different direction in that film. They have like a whole fake town that lures people in and then they get murdered and they turn into wax exhibits, basically. And you get to see Paris Hilton killed by having a pipe jammed through her entire head and then her head <laughs> slid out the end of the pipe. And it, yeah, they really killed her in that film. And I wow. think they did it on purpose because everybody hated Paris Hilton by that point. And they were like, hey, fuck it. Let's just kill the shit out of her in this movie. Um, and maybe yeah, it worked. Maybe it's like a voodoo doll thing because in real life she kind of started to fade away right around that point. But, uh, yeah, I rewatched that and it was um, better than I remembered. Not great, but better than I remembered. It's not the type of movie that's going to, like, stay up with you at night. But there's a lot of craft that went into the movie. They built an entire town to do it. They built that a fake town. And they... Yeah. yeah, I mean, they they threw like it's a well-made movie. It's it's still just a slasher, but they really approached it from the point of view of fuck it. Let's make something that's unusual. Elisha Cuthbert is in it. And yeah. that chick spent the entire 2000s in a tank top being tortured <laughs> or chased or beaten or something. I mean. She took so much punishment. It's no wonder you don't hear much for her about her anywhere. Because between 24, this movie and that torture porn movie she was in where she gets kidnapped and like, I never saw it, but it's like 15 years old. But she, she was in one of those torture porn movies at the time that was popular in horror. Well, she, uh, in a she married a hockey top. player. You know, she married a hockey okay. player. Dion Phaneuf. Always, in a to be always getting tortured. I remember once on 24, she got chased by a literal mountain lion. If you can fucking believe <laughs> yeah. that. Like, nothing ever happened to her that was any good. She was just always just 
covered in blood and being beaten. Yeah, yeah, not a good time, but fairly entertaining movie all the same. Um, and now we're about to wind up. We only got a couple left. Uh, wow. Getting close. I saw a movie. This is it's too bad we don't have uh, we don't have Mike L on yeah. the show as a Canadian. I don't know if we're allowed to say his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. There's been developments, Miles. I, I haven't kept you in the loop, but <laughs> Mike L quit doing Flea Market Fantasy out of the blue. He just said he quit doing it. So really, um, he's had enough. Kevin Jank yeah. is his permanent replacement. Yeah, Jank is not wow. the host. <laughs> so you're never going to catch Jank in, in appearances on Flea Market Fantasy because he's he's a regular now. So, wow, he's had enough. Okay, it was probably me. I did it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I blame I blame put I blame Jank Tober or whatever it was. It pushed him over the edge. Jankuary, Jankuary. Mm. Yeah, that is true. He told me he wanted to quit December 30th, right before the next Jankuary. I, I never put the dots together like that, but yeah, that, that does <laughs> make sense. But uh, but yeah, yeah we, you, it's me and Jank now. So next time you're on Flea Market Fantasy, it'll be me and Jank. Oh wow, okay. I was gonna I was gonna throw this one out as a as a tribute to to our Canadian friends. But uh, there's a movie called Pontypool, which is a town oh. in Canada. Pontypool. I never heard of it. Yeah, I had never heard of this film. It, it's a it's a very unusual take on the outbreak thing. It's about this like crusty, past his prime, pissed off DJ who gets hired in some fucking. He's been fired from everywhere, and he goes to the shitty ass radio station in the middle of some part of Canada. I think it's Eastern Canada, definitely not West. It's somewhere remote. And while he's on the air on his like his first shift he starts getting these reports of these things going wrong. And it turns out that this whole huge end of the world outbreak is happening. And the film kind of falls apart at the end. It becomes very weird, like kind of almost, I don't know, experimental type of film, but the, the way they handle him being in this isolated studio and during a snowstorm and it's in Canada, you know, so the snowstorm's legit they're isolated. There's only three people in this radio station and the world seems to be ending and they're kind of trying to report on it. And then these hordes of parent, whatever they are, show up and start pounding on the outside doors and they have to retreat. And they finally re- end up retreating into the DJ booth and they're just like stuck in there. I was like, holy shit, this movie's cranking the tension. I didn't particularly care for how they resolved it and how they explained things, but it was definitely one of those examples of like you have a small cast, you have a small budget, but you're still going to make a movie that's kind of relentlessly cranking that dread and that like what the hell's going on and everything. And you got this DJ who doesn't give a fuck because he's just like he's an older guy. He's at the end of his career. He's been fired everywhere. It was a very interesting approach to that. Totally, in my mind, the whole outbreak thing is very played out and I just get tired of it because it's like the same story over and over and over again. But this was a very interesting way of approaching it. And I think I watched it on YouTube. So um, if you catch it, you might not like the whole film, but I was really impressed with the way the first hour went. Like it's worth watching just for the first hour. So Definitely uh, one of those one of those ones like from far out in left field. 
Pontypool. And that's with a mm-hmm. Y. Pontypool. Yeah, right. that's the town. And it's just this DJ up in a booth in the middle of nowhere at the end of the world, and the world is ending. And it's like, holy shit. And I think it's one of those movies where they didn't exactly know where to take it. And they came up with something very interesting to finish it off, but I just... I didn't particularly care for the way that they resolved the story, but I was like, damn, they they definitely cranked the shit out of detention for the first hour to the point where I was like, whatever happens, I've still got this first hour. <laughs> like, I was very impressed with how they did that. Because at this point, honestly, the end of the world stuff where it's like, oh, something bad happened and there's monsters roaming the streets and they're drooling and biting people. It's like, fuck's sake, how many times have we seen this? It's a little tiresome, but that I felt like they, they came up with an angle that I hadn't seen before. So props to that. Alrighty. Last one. Last one. Yeah. I will, I will not, I will not go into Messiah of evil, which was 1973 <laughs> because that movie sucked. Although it did have some great setups for people being killed. Uh, and it did have a weird albino black dude eating a rat, uh, live. <laughs> That's something um, you don't hear. But every that day. movie, yeah. that movie sucked, and I didn't like it. So the the last movie on the list is Hush. Hush. Twenty sixteen. Oh. Jack, watched you've heard of this? Today. Yeah, I watched this back in the day. I think. Yeah, it was about six years ago. It's about a deaf woman who is a novelist, and she moves out to. Uh, a house that's in the woods. She's deaf and she's mute. And she has moved out there and she wants to write her next book and she's kind of struggling with it. And this fucking sadistic serial killer shows up on her doorstep and she's deaf and mute. So she doesn't even know she's being stalked for the opening part of the film. And then he basically murders somebody in front of her and is like, you know, I'm going to kill you next, but we're going to have some fun first. Like he's just going to fuck with her. And it's about her trying to kind of survive or escape this complete psychopathic lunatic who's just outside her house in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and she can't call for help. And it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it's a good four out of five stars in my book. Um, Definitely an unusual take on the whole... I'm a psychopath with a mask who's just going to, like, fuck with this girl. Like, he could easily kill her at the beginning of the film, and you actually see him walk up behind her. She's at her couch, and he, like, takes out his knife, and he's and he's like, fuck it. And then he realizes she's deaf, and he decides he's going to have fun with her. And that's kind of where the whole plot of the film comes in, is he sort of underestimates this chick, and he decides he's just going to lay siege to the house and just, like, terrorize the living shit out of her and then kill her whenever he feels like it. But she is, like, fighting back. And the whole movie is about them, like, playing this chess game and everything. It's a brutal movie. There's only, like, four actors in the entire film. I liked it. It was a good movie. Uh, It's very much a now movie. Like, there's a lot of I'm on my cell phone, I'm on my laptop, I'm trying to do stuff. But, like, I liked it. It was a it was a variation on a theme. It's tough to do masked slasher movies anymore because it's so full of tropes. It's so full of cliches. It's so full of bullshit. So it's like 
anytime somebody comes along and tries to put a spin on that kind of thing, I'm, you know, I'm down to watch. And it was a good movie. It's not the best movie that I saw, but it's up. It's within the top three or four of the 30 that I've slogged through. (laughs) It gets 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jack, did you say you watched this? Yeah, I think I watched it when it came out on Netflix back in the day. Uh, everybody seemed to love it. I, I liked it well enough, but it, it didn't knock my socks off or anything like that. Yeah, it's not mind-blowing. Like, it's not, you know, holy shit, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. But it's definitely a it's definitely a movie that you you don't exactly know how it's going to end. I mean, it's got its problems, but it's like, it's basically this guy versus this girl. It's like this evil person who isn't really explained, who just wants to commit murder. And this girl who seems helpless, but then she's pushed and she pushes back. And I kind of like that. It was like, it was very straightforward and direct. It didn't try to over explain anything or even really explain anything. And I like that. It's a, it's refreshing considering how many movies I've watched. It's like, Oh, now I'm going to explain everything. Like, no, it doesn't go that route. So it's intense. It's entertaining. I would give that movie like an A minus. You know, it's a good movie. Um, It's not the greatest horror film ever made, but like for a low budget movie, it's very well shot. And for a movie that has, I think, exactly four actors in it or five, maybe. It's very engaging. Like I said, it's hard to pull off a mask slasher movie in 2022. I mean, we've now been at this for decades and anything that can kind of like come at a, at that problem from a different angle is welcome. Well, that's a hell of a list there, Miles Watson. You've easily done more work than any other guest in the history of this show. And well, the host. you know what? Yeah. I Congratulations. Had <laughs> I had to do it because I just got tired of watching the same goddamn fucking movies every year. I was like, how many times can I watch the same movies over and over and over again? And I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to stop watching those movies. Of course not. But I just needed to give the powers that be a rest. I needed to give Jason and Freddie and Chucky and Leatherface and the Pinhead and the whole yeah. fucking gang. So you name all those guys. They, I was gonna I was gonna do a top eleven horror movie killers and they're all on that list. But really the whole point of the list was just to have a joke at number one, and my number one was Shakama. So that was the whole point of the list. <laughs> <laughs> now wow. uh, okay. Miles, have you ever seen Shakama? Well, I gotta look this up. It's a yep. baboon. It's a it's a baboon named Shockma. He he goes around murdering people. It's the greatest movie ever made. I think. I, I think so. Maybe Citizen That's Kane. That's not the, the helper monkey and monkey shine, is it? No, no, no. It's a baboon. It's a big <laughs> badass baboon. Yeah. Except he can't open doors. That's yeah. He one cannot open a door. To... Weakness. <laughs> the movie is great. You got to see Shockma, man. It's on Tubi. Uh, <laughs> you'll love it. The way you're laughing, over's not over yet. We're confident. <laughs> no, it's great because these people are trapped in this building, and this baboon's on the loose, murdering them. And every time they shut a door, they're basically safe because the baboon can't get through a door. <laughs> but for some reason, they keep leaving rooms. Just stay in the goddamn room. You're safe. <laughs> but 
Hold on, I gotta I gotta look this up now. <laughs> yeah, S H A K M A. Shakma. It's uh he's the best. So. Well you know when I was a kid, my dad took me to some fucking low budget movie about uh baboons that during a drought decided to start eating people. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. John Rhys Davies was in it from so- you know, Sala from uh from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently it was a true story. Like, they killed four or five people during a drought. And holy shit, that's Roddy Piper. A group of what medical are you looking students at? are attacked by an aggressive laboratory animal while competing in an after-hours role-playing game at their school. Shock. Yeah, R- Roddy Piper's not in shock, but where did you see Roddy Piper? And it says, hold on. Uh, photo, apparently, wait a minute. Well, Roddy McDowell's not. in it. Yeah, Roddy, yeah, I yeah. thought I said Roddy Piper. All right, there's the confusion. Oh, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Roddy like, Piper, Roddy, Roddy McDowell. Clearly the same about. person. <laughs> Roddy McDowell is in it. Holy shit. Yes, Roddy McDowell is in it. Yeah. And that baboon kills the fuck out of Roddy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> An experimental drug that is supposed to reduce aggression has the opposite effect on a baboon yeah. that is being experimented on by a group of medical students and their professor. While they are playing a fantasy role-playing game in their research facility, the baboon escapes and begins... Hunting them down. It is awesome. Shockma is played by the baboon Typhoon. Yeah, Typhoon is a baboon. Who also plays baboons in The Fly <laughs> and Duncan's Jack's Baboon in Order of the Black Eagle. But what the fuck? Raiders of Atlantis? <laughs> Goofs. The baboon appearing in the movie is not a Chakma, but a Hamadras, a different species. The Chakma yeah. baboon is the largest species of baboon, while the Hamadras is significantly smaller and easily recognizable by the mane around his face. Yeah, yeah, they were a little fast and loose with the baboon classification in the film, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> They're just scientists. Um, I, I have to, I have to do this because I now I need to remember. I think it had John Riss. Yeah, you still have at baby. least three days left of these movies, so squeeze Shockman there. You know, watch some Shockman. Uh, no, dude, I'm, I'm up. I mean, dude, at this point, I've seen. I've seen some real shit. So you haven't lived until you've <laughs> seen on. that baboon try to get in in past a door. You know he's trying to get through. The in doors. the shadow of Kilimanjaro, I was right. Kilimanjaro. Oh, all right. In, in the uh, of Kilimanjaro. Yes, it's uh, a 1986 British Kenyan natural horror film direct, directed <laughs> by Raju Patel. Well, I also remember uh, we reviewed Chalkman here. I was reading a news story about a baboon who was terrorizing a Nigerian village by running through the village raping men. <laughs> so that's not good. That's not good, you know? So be, keep an eye on those baboons. They're, uh, they could be they could be deadly. Well, there was this whole mo- holy shit, I might have to ask. I might have to watch this uh <laughs> movie again in the shadow of Kilimanjaro. Yeah, it's always good to watch. Because it's about baboons who decide to eat people. Yeah, you can't go wrong. And supposedly it was it was uh, it was based on a real tale of a drought that occurred in Kenya, and the baboons were like, "Fuck this, we can't have you know whatever our whatever the fuck baboons eat. You know, like these humans are pretty easy prey." And they decided to go batshit. I actually saw that movie in the theater. Holy shit. Yeah, don't fuck with Batman. No. All right. Killers well, well, let's on get, the rampage. 
let's get to the burning. There's no baboons in this, but there is a, uh, a J- Jason Alexander with like a baboon on his head. He's got like a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of hair, that Jason Alexander. Hey, do you know his real name isn't Jason Alexander? I learned that today when I was doing research on this. Yeah, go figure that. Like Jay Greenspan or something. Well, whenever right. you, you, whenever you see oh. someone with two first names in Hollywood, that's a dead giveaway, but. Yeah. All right, so this film is 1981. Uh, the IMDb description is a former summer camp caretaker, horribly burned from a prank gone wrong, lurks around an upstate New York summer camp, Bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. Well, is he though? It's more like just one teenager. <laughs> and involved. anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> kind of overkill. Not really it. Uh, the director here is Tony Malum. I don't know if that means anything to you. It does, means nothing to me. But the writer, the original story was conceived by some guy named Harvey Weinstein. Yep. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Him and his brother Didn't Bob, this was like the right first now. movie they made together. They, uh, this started off Miramax, and Miramax was named for his, his mom and dad, you know, because he's such a family guy. And this, I think he was like 29 when this came out, and this was also the first reported incident of him uh, sexually assaulting a lady on the set of a movie. <laughs> because there was an intern there. She was supposed to take some stuff to his uh, room for him to sign. He answered the door wearing a towel. Then he dropped the towel and asked her for a massage. So I keep doing that, but I've never had one massage. <laughs> but apparently that's Harvey's move. Like he's been, he was doing that same move for like 50 years before someone caught on to him. But they broke. Don't fix it. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. How many times did it work? Cause he, uh, we were hearing about all the times it failed, but how many times did it work? Uh, so the other stars in this film, this was the first film appearance of Jason Alexander. Again, he looks very old here, but he was only like 20, 21 in real life. Also the first movie role, I believe, of Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter is in here. Now, you have to look carefully because I didn't even notice her for most of the film, but she's in there. You gotta really look carefully. And, uh, she said she loved this job because she was getting like a thousand dollars a week to just be like a glorified extra. So she uh she didn't have to wait tables or anything while she was working on this movie. So that was nice. She was also like 21 here. And uh Fisher Stevens is also in this. Fisher Stevens. He he's that Very Columbo that alum. Yeah, another Columbo alum, that's right. Um are there any other famous people in this film we should know about? I don't believe so, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean I'm it was through. You know, some of the other cast members, uh, Leah Ayers plays Michelle. Uh, she's a good looking lady. Uh, uh Brian yeah. Backer plays Alfred. He's the nerdy little perv. I think it's interesting that Harvey Weinstein writes a movie where like the, basically the hero of the film is a, n- a nerdy perv. Yeah. Uh, and I would, <laughs> I would like to point out that the main flaw of this film, just skipping ahead. Yeah. There's a lot is of flaws. That the nerdy perv is, well, I mean, it's a slasher movie, but it, 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 the main, the main, character of this film in a sense is a totally unlikable weird creepy yes. dude who <laughs> whose main action in the film yeah is to creep on a girl who's showering outdoors <laughs> and the yeah. fact that harvey weinstein created that character yes it made him the hero <laughs> in my mind that's extremely telling 
Like, let's have him be an ugly little weird fucking kid that at the beginning of the film, he's basically introduced as creeping on a girl in the shower. Yeah, that girl is uh, played by Carrick Glenn, not to be confused with Tarek Glenn, a former offensive tackle of the Indianapolis Colts. They look nothing alike. (laughs) This is Carrick Glenn. They really don't look anything alike. She's an attractive young lady here, and uh, she does get naked in this film. And one of two ladies that gets naked. And she looks young here. She's 25, so you can all relax. She, the actress was 25. So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah. someone asked Jason Alexander what was his favorite memory of working on The Burning. And he said, looking at Carrick Glenn. He was a big fan of <laughs> <her>. <laughs> so. I like that. Uh, the other lady who gets naked in here is Caroline Houlihan. She plays Karen. And she was Miss Ohio in 1979. So, like that. There's some cute women in the film. I mean, there's no yeah. two ways about it. Um, but I think there's Most a world of memory. Most cute girl. Yeah. Uh, Tuffy, anything you would like to say about the burning before we get into it? No. I <laughs> just want, thought I'd check. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I guess, uh, Miles, this is based on uh, the Cropsey, like, uh, urban legend around New York. Are you familiar with Cropsey? I actually am not. Um, they make a point of calling the uh, bad guy Cropsey. Yeah. So I wasn't familiar with that. Is there an actual legend about uh, such a person? Yeah, then they made like a – Jank, didn't they make a movie, like a documentary called Cropsey, uh, maybe about 10 years ago or so? Uh Investigating a child murder and stuff around New York, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it, but yeah, I know that yeah. exists. I've seen it. But yeah, there's an urban legend that this uh, guy would go around uh, different summer camps and stuff and murder kids. So the, the Weinstein just based this movie off that urban legend. And um, so there it is. But uh, th- this came out like in 1981. But he, when they like first started the ball rolling, it, they actually started the production and everything like a month before Friday the 13th came out. And then once that came out, then that opened up the gates for all the uh, these kind of films, right? And it's like, oh, I'm doing all the slasher shit now. So I'll set it at summer camps, sleepaway yeah. camp. <laughs> so many of them. Yeah. Hey, hey Tuffy, do you remember how this movie starts? Would you like to open it up for us? Uh, yeah, we're at a uh, at a summer camp, and there's a bunch of uh, fellas. All agreeing to uh, pull a prank on Cropsey, yeah, the Cropsey. filthy groundskeeper or something, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they hate Cropsey. Why do they hate Cropsey yeah. so much? He's just the... Uh... I don't know. I feel like they probably barely interact with him yeah. uh, in their day-to-day camp life, but they do not care for him. I know that. So they want to play a prank on Cropsey. So yeah. maybe they'll put his hand in some water uh, while he's sleeping, one of them deals, you know, so he pees to bed. But no, no, no. Yeah. What, what what do they do, Tuffy? Uh, they fill a skull with maggots and put some candles in its <laughs> eyes, and then uh, bang on the window until the Cropsey wakes up that, next to it. To be, yeah, just to be honest, I mean, uh, I'm doing that right now. While yeah, we're who hasn't done that? <laughs> I'll, I'll say this for Cropsey: he's a very sound sleeper. Because that kid, he walks yeah. into his, he walks into his place. Like Cropsey lives in this little shed in the back of the camp. And this kid, uh, they, he like walks inside Cropsey's room. He does he's not even real quiet about opening the door. He just opens the door, walks in. He gets right up next to the bed 
puts the skull in and everything, lights the candles, and then he goes outside with his buddies, and they're banging on the window to wake up Cropsy. Cropsy wakes up, Miles, and, and what happens? Uh, he gets set on fire. He is so <laughs> terrified by the skull with the worms and maggots that he starts frantically kicking his legs and screaming, and uh, that knocks it over, and he he gets engulfed in flames. Hey, Jack, this was pretty good there. He's, he like made he became the Human Torch, you know, yeah. just uh, yeah, flame on. I assume this was the inspiration for Midnight Oil with their Beds Are Burning song. How do you sleep if you're? <laughs> yeah, so Cropsy gets engulfed in flames and he starts ro- running out of his uh, his little shed there. Yeah. It's also yeah. important if you're the groundskeeper, you want to sleep with a can of gasoline next to your bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and especially if you've been drinking all night, which Cropsy clearly had because there's two empty <laughs> bottles of whiskey by his bed. Or when he runs up whiskey, he gets into the gas. Oh, he's working on his novel, like Ethan Hawke in that one movie or whatever. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel attacked, but whatever. It's all together. <sighs> but, yeah, he runs out. He's un- engulfed in flames, and he's running outside. And if you look, you can see, like, the guy's wearing a – the body that's on fire. You know, the dude's wearing a, a helmet and everything. But, you know, you just play along. It's Cropsy. Yeah. And, uh, and he, like, fought, the kids are just watching him. And uh, he goes stumbling down a hill and falls into, like, the lake or whatever. And the kids are like, hey, we should well, – let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we didn't see nothing. <laughs> that's, but that's pretty awesome because the prank looks so stupid. Like, how could anyone possibly be scared by this little this skull with the uh, candles and a couple worms on it? And then uh, Cropsy, within two seconds, he's engulfed in flames. <laughs> and it's like, holy fuck. This escalated quickly. <laughs> it's Cropsy mm-hmm. stuff. So he uh, sleeps on a bed of gasoline, but that's that's just completely unrelated. That's a poor decision there. So uh, all right, Tuffy. So then uh, what happens next? We jump ahead, right? Uh, yeah. Then we jump ahead to the other summer camp, maybe. Oh, well, actually, we see Cropsy in the in the hospital, right? Because there, there's a oh doctor. yeah, that's right. Five <laughs> years later, Cropsy's finally getting out of the hospital. The skin grafts didn't really take, so he's just covered in like. Sh- Skin falling off. Or no, yeah, there's the first, uh, first we get like a janitorial staff or like a I don't know a nurse or something goes to grab a new doctor and says, "You think yeah. you're gonna like work at the hospital? Let me show you this." Yeah, you got to see this. And brings guy. him into Cropsy <laughs> with all of his like stick. skin shedding <laughs> off and shit. Yeah, we don't see what Cropsy looks like totally. We just see like his arm reaches out and we see his scarred up arm and he grabs the doc the guy and the guy yeah. just starts screaming. <laughs> Yeah, then we jump five years ahead, and Cropsy's finally getting out. Uh, the I doctors like... make a point of telling him, hey, don't blame those kids who lit you on fire five years ago. It was an accident. <laughs> yeah, there's all these voiceovers of all these different people talking to him, like these therapists and doctors. Like, don't blame the kids. That's not going to pick it. You know, I want to blame those kids. They set me on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Although Cropsy was out pretty fuck it. ugly to begin with. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. yeah. When he we was. see him, he was not an attractive man. Lying in bed, attractive. He is one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. setting him on fire made him look worse than he was when free uh, fire. But, yeah, but, I just, but, but uh, obviously, the first thing when you get out of the hospital, um, you go to Times Square that's, and get yourself a hooker. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, He's heading down to right. the deuce. 
<laughs> so, Jank, uh, Cropsy goes and gets himself a hooker. Why don't you walk us through this scene? Uh, I think she's just kind of like, hey, I've got to, you know, make a living here, so let's hurry this up. You know, take your pants off already. And let's get down to it. And uh, as soon as she sees his face, though, she's just like, like backing up towards the window, like, I got to get out of here. Like, please just yeah. leave. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> take your money and go. <laughs> Well, what I like is Cropsy is dressed in a long black uh, coat, a black hat pulled down over his face so you can't see him, and he's wearing black leather gloves. That's exactly the kind of man a hooker wants to pick up. That's <laughs> <laughs> What could go wrong? Yes. This guy's informed or the turtle trying to see a movie. <laughs> Yeah, so, so she's like, I just get out of here, and uh, he grabs some uh, like scissors off the desk, and he stabs her right in the belly, right in the belly. Yeah. And there are some attractive a- women in this movie, but uh, the hooker's probably not one of them. I would say, you know, no, yeah. she's not. Crops will be a little better. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and he like uh, shoves her through the window, and he's stabbing her in the gut, and there's blood going everywhere, and yeah. Yeah, the effects in this movie were done by Tom Savini, who did most of the effects and most of the slashers of the late 70s and early 80s, Maniac, Friday the 13th, uh, The Prowler, The the Burning. Like, I mean, Tom Savini is obviously one of the most famous names in horror effects. This entire kill sequence is pointless. And Savini always liked... Yeah, there's no reason for him to kill this woman. Yeah, apparently, no my guess is that this scene was written entirely because this, the movie actually starts pretty slow at the camp. There is no killing for the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes of the movie at the camp. Yeah. So once you have the burning scene, you have to show that Cropsey is apparently a homicidal maniac. But there's no reason for him to murder this woman. She's done him no wrong. And he... Presumably, he's killing her because she freaks out when he turns the light on and sees his face. But it's like, come on, dude, you're burned to like yeah. a pig-like state. You know she ain't going to react too well to that. <laughs> yeah, I think he knew. So what was why did you turn the fucking light on? Yeah. Why did you turn the light on? Like the the scene makes no sense. It's dumb. It's basically to show off the effects that Savini was doing. Um, personally, I have feelings about that man. That aren't real great but oh, all right i've met him yeah well he's oh. a legend in the effect business so you know hats off i mean he he definitely did some of the better blood gags in the 80s um but in this scene he's just trying to show off you know like oh i can stab a hooker you know <laughs> i can do a blood gag yeah. where the hooker gets stabbed but yeah the the scene makes no sense as far as the logic of the film is concerned because He's out for revenge. Why does he kill this random woman? It makes no sense. Exactly. And uh, there's something else I was going to say, but I can't remember. So, um, oh, well, maybe she she refused to give him a massage. Maybe that's why he killed her. Is a Harvey Weinstein thing again. So, anyway. All right. So, uh, so Tuffy, after he kills the hooker, then I think uh, we, we go to. Yeah, then we go to the softball game. Oh, yeah, the softball game. And this is a different summer camp, though. This is a completely different summer camp. It's not even the same summer camp that he was set on fire at. It's like a different Right, camp. across yes. the river. Makes no sense. Um, but one of the campers is now a counselor here. Yeah, we we don't know that, though, until the end of the movie. We find that out, right? I just assume that. Yeah. 
I don't know if I was supposed to know that, but I just kind of figured. That's uh, that's Todd, one of the counselors. But yeah, there's a softball game or a baseball game or softball game going on, and uh, we see Carrick Glenn running around with no bra and a yellow uh, tank top. So that was something. So uh, yeah, you know, that was pretty good. And then we see Miss Ohio yeah. there in her little uh, bathing suit, and uh, that's where Jank, you you had your quote at the top of the movie there, or the top of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that one guy really likes it. Yeah, Eddie. Eddie's a creep, right? <laughs> like, But he's still more successful than any of us. Yes. Well, he goes to the Harvey Weinstein School of Seduction. You know, he's just uh, <laughs> it's Eddie. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a baseball game going on there, Tuffy. And uh, the ball goes in the woods. One of the girls goes to look, look for the ball, and we see uh, – Cropsy there, and he's got like uh, gardening shears now. And yeah. He, uh, is he, oh my yeah, God, every killer kill that girl. is supposed to have a distinctive mask or a distinctive kill weapon. Yeah. And what they meant for Cropsy to be his distinctive kill weapon was these gardening shears with very long blades. Um, didn't really work that well, in my opinion, but <laughs> it is distinctive for the poster. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few different posters for it. Um, so, uh, but he doesn't kill that girl. That girl goes back to play baseball. And then we also see Jason Alexander here. Him and Eddie uh, are, are eyeing up Miss Ohio. And, uh, Tuffy, how would you describe uh, Jason Alexander in this film, his character? Um, well, he, Jason Alexander definitely thinks he's, like, a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, like, yeah. the leader. He's the he's the coolest guy of the nerds, I would say. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. He also, yeah. He's also yeah. your That's your exactly uh, connection. Right. He's also your connection yeah. if you need porn or non lubricated condoms. <laughs> yeah, they gotta have... be they gotta be non lubricated because the lubricated <laughs> ones are too expensive on his budget in 1981. <laughs> yes. If you want the lubricated <laughs> rubbers, go somewhere that else. Is. That's what we learned. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So uh, who, Eddie, again, is his buddy, and he's like a date rapist. And then there's also a guy named uh, – uh, who's the big mu- – the muscle guy who was dating uh, Carrick Glenn? Uh, Glazer. Glazer. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I got that name. That guy's like 45, <laughs> and he's at summer camp. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right, Tuffy. So, yeah, after the baseball game. Then we just see the kids uh, milling around the camp, right? I don't know. Does anything exciting happen for a while? Uh, oh, we oh, really That That, that pervy minutes. kid, Alfred, uh, spies on Carrot Glenn. I think that's probably the next thing. That's yeah, happened. in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just got to interject here and just remind everyone that when you see the credits of this film and you see Harvey Weinstein, not just executive <laughs> producing and doing all the bullshit that, yeah. you know, where you just put your name on something. He actually wrote, partially wrote the story. Yep. And so forth. So knowing what he was, I mean, who knows if he was like this in 1981? Cause that's no, he was. Yeah, we, we established that he was. Yeah, because he, he actually yeah. okay. did ask that, drop the towel and ask that girl for a massage. Yeah. The fact that he shaped the the protagonist, because when I was watching this film, I was like, you know, there's a lot going for this movie for an 80s slasher, but I was like, why did they pick 
this yeah. miserable piece of shit. Exactly. That nobody in the film likes, who's coward, who has no redeeming qualities. He's ugly. Like, I, I, it's not his Car- fault he's ugly. Carrick right? Glenn. Could make him brave. She should have been the sole survivor. She should have been the one we root for. Carrick Glenn, the girl who was spied on, you know? Like, right. the, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Alfred, that nerdy perv guy, he was in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You might recognize him from that. And he was yeah. also in Police Academy 4 as well. Oh, I, I did recognize him when I saw him. So that's yeah. Awesome. Now the uh, the lady counselor is real pissed off that one of the guys was uh, peeping Tom and the ladies yeah. wants him sent home, and for some reason uh, Todd, the guy counselor, says, "Ah, oh, he's he's fine. I'll talk to him. What do you expect <laughs> me to do? Cut his balls off? The kid's weird." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Todd has a thing going on with the other counselor there. And uh they're like in a relationship, I guess. Um yeah, Todd's the other big hero here. Until later we realize he was one of the main kids that set Cropsey on fire. So yeah. like Kyle says, Whoop. who are we rooting for in this scenario? I want the whole these idiots to die. You know? Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not <laughs> rooting for Todd. If you were one of the main yeah. people behind a horrific incident in a summer camp. Why would you ever want to be a, a camp counselor at one of these things? Wouldn't you want to get as far away from the well, as you could? Well, Jank, he did go to a different summer camp across the river. It's like on, on the opposite oh, side yeah. of the river. So, yeah. It's, it's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so then Glazer goes to tell Alfred, like, hey, don't fucking be a creep around my girlfriend. And yeah. Todd says, hey, don't you mess with him. It's like, uh, he should be yelling at him. Yeah, this guy was just fucking creeping on girls in the shower. Yeah. Again, I think we see Harvey Weinstein's influence in the script. Yeah, it is hard to. And the funny thing is, is that when I watched the film, I just meant to watch it as a slasher that I'd never seen before. And I was like. Harvey Weinstein's influence on the film, like just seeing his name on it, throws everything into a completely different (laughs) light. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. A good insight into his character here watching this film. Uh, all right, Tuffy, what happens now? Uh, so then we go down to the, the lake for a swim. And uh, Alfred apparently can't swim, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Glazer comes up and just fucking shoves him in the lake, which he deserved because he's a creep. <laughs> but I guess he can't swim, so everyone's all upset at him. But I was a little confused by this because Jason Alexander, Eddie, and uh, Fisher Stevens, they're all trying to get him into the lake. Like, come on, just follow us. Jump yeah. in the lake. So they wanted him <laughs> in the water. But I guess they just didn't want him to be shoved yeah. in the water. Yeah. Also, Jason Alexander was apparently uh, already uncomfortable with his stoutness, and he had to go swimming with a shirt on, I guess. <laughs> there is another he scene later on where he's, he's about to take his shirt off, and they stop him. They're like, that's ah, okay. Don't yeah. I'll go, but um, yeah. So yeah, there's tension between Glazer and Alfred, the nerdy perv. There's yeah, the keyword is tasteful. I think is what you're looking for. Is that, is that the quote when he uh, gets the photos with Kramer? No, can't think. Oh, oh, the uh, where he's on the, the art of couch. the timeless art of seduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moon. Oh yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Wasn't there another catchphrase there from that episode? But I can't remember. I don't know. 
Mm, yeah. All right. So uh, that, that goes. Who who's the oh the first girl that dies is uh, Miss Ohio, right? She's the first one. Her and Eddie. Right? Yeah. Isn't she the first one to die? Because they do a whole fake out thing where uh, Fisher Stevens goes to get some vitamin E. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's died by himself now. Because <laughs> he wants that vitamin yeah. E to make his dick hard. That's why he wants the vitamin E. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, do you need that at dinner? <laughs> Couldn't that yeah. wait until you get back after? <laughs> how, how much <laughs> do you think Fisher when you're Stevens like weighs here? Years old. Uh, how much? Yeah, how much do you think he weighs here? Like fifty pounds, Fisher Stevens. He's very thin, very thin here. Yeah, for a little guy. Is that what you weigh, Kurt? Pre- pretty much, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Miles Watson, you weren't here last week. We had a very intense debate. Um, about my belt broke. Okay, and <laughs> so I this I needed a debate. This is just I, Mike Dell giving up on life. <laughs> Yeah. I was gonna go somewhere. I wanted to wear jeans, but my belt broke. And you know, I, I'm a I'm a thin fella, so my pants will sag if I'm not wearing a belt. So I'm like, well, what do I do? You know. So I took an old shoelace and I used it as a belt. Is was that wrong? <laughs> not if you're Grandpa Simpson, <laughs> a miner in the Brenner okay. Pass. All right. Or so, a homeless man standing out on the corner of Atlantic <laughs> Avenue. So you're saying it wasn't wrong. All right. It's good enough. Okay. Or Harvey Weinstein and you want easy access so you can get those pants off right away so be a lady. <laughs> well, no, he, he, he wouldn't have a shoelace. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein wouldn't have a shoelace around his towel, but I put the shoelace there to make sure they don't just go. But anyway. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, let's just skip ahead to the first killing because we know what's, what we're doing here. So uh, Eddie, well, there was one other uh, before they get out on their little canoe trip. Oh yeah, the uh, the guy who goes back for the vitamin E. Uh, I guess that was Glazer tells Todd that that guy's sick, so he goes to check on him or something. Then uh, Todd comes back and tells Glazer like, "You better knock it off. I don't want any more of this attitude." And then just some other fucking kid sitting there and says, and "That goes for you too." I don't know what that kid did. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even remember that. This Todd's a jerk. You know, don't try and defend Todd. Don't worry about defending him. He's terrible. You know, he set Cropsey on fire. Todd's, you know, he's projecting guilt from setting fire to Cropsey. Yeah, that's what that's all that is. Um, so yeah, they go on a canoe trip. Uh, that's something there. Jason Alexander rowing a canoe, and then uh, so yeah, some of the older kids go on a canoe trip. So now they're camping out in the woods. And Eddie, the date rapist, wants to take Miss Ohio uh, for a walk there. And they go down to the lake, and he's like, "Hey, he, he's trying to get with her," and she keeps saying, "No, no, no, I don't want to have you know, I don't want to have sex or anything." And he says, "All right, well, hey, I'm just going to go for a uh, dip here in the pond, and uh, you can come or not." And he just gets naked, you know, and, and he jumps in the the pond there, and she goes, "All right, well, I'll go in with you." She gets naked, she gets in with him into the pond. She mm-hmm. goes right up to him, starts kissing him. And then when he like starts kissing her back, she's like, "Hey, hey, leave me alone." That was a yeah. little mix. That was some <laughs> mixed signals, right? I mean, it was. Harvey Weinstein was, was like that, like like oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. About women. Yeah. Weinstein so, had some feelings about women that came out during this scene. 
Yeah, it is. It is fascinating when you watch it through that uh, lens. Uh, but eventually, like she, she does say, "No, get away from, get away from me." And he says, "Well, get the fuck out of my face." And uh, he slaps the water, and she goes up. She's completely naked, and uh, she's walking around the woods because she thinks one of the other campers stole her clothes. And she goes in the woods, and uh oh, there's Karopsy. There's Karopsy, Tuffy. Yeah. And, and what does he do? I don't remember my tubies on a commercial oh. right now. <laughs> he stabs her with the garden shears right through the back, right, Jank? Doesn't he just, like, stab her in the back or something? She got her throat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Throat sliced. And then he, he takes yeah. her body and puts it in that little place at the end of the movie, right? Isn't that her at the end of the movie then, hanging that place? Where they have the big fight scene at the end? I think He's yeah. got a lair. Yeah, a lair. That's right. <laughs> Crossy's lair. All right. So they can't find that girl now, Miss Ohio. They're like, where's Miss Ohio? And Eddie says, I don't know. I didn't see her. I told her to get the fuck away from me. And uh, and then I think the next big killings, Miles, are they the kids on the raft then? Uh, well, those, yeah, all their kids. canoes went missing. So they just build a raft. <laughs> That's right. All the canoes went missing, so they build a raft. They use their camp counseling skills to build a raft to try to escape from where they are. And then they encounter Cropsy. Yeah. I can't even remember. Oh, he well, was in the other abandoned canoe. canoe. Yeah, so they yeah, go to check right. out the abandoned canoe. <laughs> and they get and, close uh, to the canoe and Cropsy's hiding in it and he hops up. And he just slashes the fuck out of all these kids on this raft. <laughs> yeah. He cuts him up, but good. Fisher Stevens puts his hand up to like, and uh, Cropsy just cuts off all his fingers with the the shears there. Yeah. For a slasher film, this scene is somewhat unique because it takes place about halfway through the film, and yet the slasher kills five people simultaneously. It's extremely rare for a slasher to confront more than one person at a time until it's the climax of the film. Usually there's one or two people left, three people at the most. Slasher emerges and you have what you have going forward. It's very rare that you have a scene where people are, you know, doing their thing and a slasher kills five of them at the same time. Yeah. And I guess I it is pretty interesting because they're stuck on that raft, you know, so there's nowhere for them yeah. to go really. No, they're on a shitty homemade raft at that. They're they're trying to find they're all ecstatic because they see the canoe. And they're like, if we can get in the canoe, we're home free. We're not on the shitty raft that was made by camp counselors. It's real (laughs) canoe. But the thing is he kills five characters at the same time. For a slasher, that might be an absolutely unique moment. Uh, in the history of, of actual slashers. Hey, Jank, I, I did like the one uh, shot here when the one girl's dead. Uh, the closing shot is her arm hanging over the raft, and there's like a, a thing of blood trickling down the whole length of her arm and down her finger. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That huh. Weinstein, he knew what he was doing. All right, uh, so <laughs> after he, they murder all the people on the raft, and then <clears throat> Jason Alexander and his group of people, Holly Hunter is also there, and the other lady counselor, they eventually see the raft, and uh, Jason Alexander's like, hey, I'll, I'll go check on it. And she's like, no, keep your shirt on. I'll go do it. 
And then uh, yeah. she swims out. And she finds all the dead bodies. And, like, an arm just falls on her, the severed arm. And it's like, ah. So she starts screaming. Hey, we're already at the end of this movie, basically, right? Is, is that it? <laughs> yeah, someone was banging out <laughs> in the woods before that, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Carrick oh, yeah, and Glazer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sex scene. He's on top of her. And I... And she's like, uh, hey, uh, you know, be careful, go slower, whatever. And, and he, like, finishes in, like, three seconds. And she's like, is, is that it? And yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, that's the greatest sexual For millions, of millions of teenage men, that was the real <laughs> horror story of the film. He's been trying to have sex with this girl for the whole movie. She's like, okay. He does her. He's over in, like, a minute. She's like, what, are you joking? Is that it? Is that it? That's the horror film because he's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got this, like, super heavy New York accent, too. That's another thing about this film is that it's clearly a New York summer camp, right? Yeah. Because the guy's like, hey, what are you th- I mean, it's going to be great. I'm going to be the greatest lover <laughs> you've ever had. And he's, like, over in 30 seconds, and he's like. What, what? What's the matter? What did I do wrong? You know, like, oh, sorry. He's uh, like, well, next time it'll be better. Don't worry. Next time it'll be yeah. better. Oh, hey, hey, oh, that kind of thing. And then uh, he, he says, here, I'll make it up to you, Carrick Glenn. Here's what I'll do. I'll leave you here in the woods naked in the sleeping bag. I'll go back to our campsite so I can get some matches. What? Yeah. Build a so fire. So that's yeah. what he does. And while he's gone, of course, Cropsy murders Carrick Glenn. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Fucking Cropsy. Choice. Yeah, he kills Miss Ohio and Carrick Lane. What the fuck is his deal? What is he doing? <laughs> uh, so then Glazer comes back. Cropsy just jams the uh, garden shears right up in his uh, belly and lifts him up off the ground. And uh, I think he pins him to a tree or something, too. So, and then he falls yeah. down. So he's dead. Pervert kids. Uh, what was that, Jank? Pervert kids just watching the whole thing. That's right, Alfred. <laughs> yeah, because when Glazer came back to the campsite to get the matches, uh, the perv uh, pretended he was sleeping because he knew he wanted to follow Glazer back to watch him have sex with Carrie Klein. Yep. So that must be another Harvey Weinstein move. That he likes to yeah. Do. It's, it's never actually, learned. the more we talk about the film, the more disturbing the Harvey Weinstein <laughs> undertones are to this film. <laughs> But again, this Harvey, uh, this Alfred kid is uh, the hero of all this. He's he's the kid we're supposed to care about. <laughs> like, no, we don't. <laughs> this kid. Uh, so uh, then he, but the Alfred sees Cropsy. He, he goes back to tell Todd. And then uh, here's the other big thing in this movie that made no fucking sense. So later on, we find out that Todd was one of the kids that event that burnt crops set Cropsy on fire back in the day. So Cropsy's doing all this theoretically to get to Todd to kill him because he uses Alfred as bait to lure him into his lair later uh, to to fight Todd. But here at this point in the woods, there is a scene where he hacks Todd across the head with the garden shears and then chases Alfred. Hey, if you wanted to kill Todd, just kill Todd. He's right there. Why don't you just kill Todd? You know? Yep. No fucking sense. Well, they had to keep the protagonist alive. Well, one of the protagonistic people. I don't know who to call the hero in this film. I guess in the original ending, um, Alfred also dies. But Todd still survives in either ending. But in the movie ending, uh, Alfred the Perv survives. 
Because Harvey says, hey, you can't kill me. Yeah, you can't kill me. I gotta live. All right. Um, I would have been perfectly content with Alfred dying, just to make that clear. (laughs) Put that on the record. Yeah, so basically, Cropsey, uh, he's chasing the kids and stuff, and uh, the other kids, Jason Alexander's group, they get back to the camp safely. Everyone can relax. Jason Alexander survives. He survives. Thank God. Holly Hunter does. so scared. And his hair fell. Yes. Yeah, his, <laughs> his hair looked like a toupee, though, right? Even though he's 21, it looked like a toupee. <laughs> it looked like he was wearing a wig. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so they get back to the uh, camp, and then the lady counselor gets the other counselor, and they have a boat, and then they go, because they go looking for Todd, and then Todd and Alfred. Uh, Todd's looking for Alfred, and Cropsey has him stationed his bait in his lair there up in the woods. It's like an abandoned coal mine or something, apparently. I don't know. What the fuck it is, and uh, and then Tuffy, how they have their big fight. Um, explain the big fight there. <laughs> what happens? Ooh, uh, nope. Cropsy has a flamethrower. Eventually, that's about all <laughs> yeah. I got. Jank, would you like for to take? Some it? reason I remember there were Indiana Jones mine carts for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that was all about, but <laughs> I, I guess the original script. I guess their fight was supposed to happen in a boathouse. But for some reason, they changed it to a coal mine. I don't know why. (laughs) They probably found on locate the location scout was like, dude, there's an abandoned big old concrete fucking thing here. And like we can just make it. And they just improvised it. Yeah, probably. But all right, Jack, go ahead and describe the big fight for us. Uh, so I think uh, we got Todd. He's in there and he sees Cropsy coming at him with the flamethrower. Um, and then Albert the perv shows up. I think he's got a pitchfork. No, he has the garden shears because right? because uh, Cropsey oh, yeah. pinned him to the wall with garden shears around his arm and stuff. And so I guess he removed the garden shears and then came out to help. Uh yeah. And he had AIDS, so he's giving that to Cropsey. He's gonna kill him slowly. <laughs> I, don't that's, I don't know if that's true. I think you defended that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's a very slow death. <laughs> but yeah, so he does that. They, you think Cropsey's dead, but of course he's going to come back. Um, and he does. And he pops back up. And I think this is when Albert kind of gets a hold of the flamethrower. He doesn't even like use it as a flamethrower so much as just a, a, it has a flame, so he lights Cropsey's leg on fire. Well, well, it's and, Alfred, uh, not Albert. Let's not, uh, you know, discredit the perv here. It's Alfred, right? But, um, Oh, he, uh, Todd actually, Todd actually hits Cropsey in the head with an axe, right between the eyes. Oh, yeah. Cracks him in the head with an axe. And then while he's like, you know, dying, uh, from the axe wound, then Alfred sets him on fire. He, he crawls over like a little weasel and sets his like shoe on fire and then it engulfs the whole body. And, uh, so the, the last image of Cropsey is he's pinned up against the, like a, a, a pillar in the coal mine. With an axe sticking out of his head, and it's just all on fire. Yeah. Everything's on well, fire. Well, he, he has the shears impaled through the back. He has an axe oh, right. through his fucking head into the post from the front, and then he's set on fire. I was like, wow, they're not planning on a sequel. <laughs> but no. thankfully, the pervert and the guy who originally set Cropsey on fire, they both survived. <laughs> so thank God. <laughs> what a heartwarming tale. And then, uh, Miles, the, the final scene of the film, do you remember this? The campfire? Yeah. 
Yeah, and this the, there's a scene of at the beginning of the film, you know, when they settle into the camp, the Todd tells the story. Is, is it Todd? Yeah, Todd tells the story. story about Cropsey. Okay. And to scare the kids, you know, he's like, oh, Cropsey, his body's been ever found. He's lurking in the woods and he's going to come out and get you. And then it scares the shit out of all the people. Well, yeah, because Eddie the dressed film, up like Cropsey to play the little prank. Right. You know, they were working it together. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, you see an unknown camp counselor in the woods in front of an unknown group of people telling about the legend of Cropsey. And then he looks at the camera and he's like, and he's going to kill you or some shit, you know. Yeah. And the is. movie ends. And it's interesting because if you've ever watched Friday the 13th Part 2, and I don't know what yes. year that came out in. But I think it was also 81. A, okay. There's a scene in Friday the 13th Part 2 where a camp counselor at the beginning of the movie, Paul, says, you know, he's telling the story of Jason Voorhees and how Jason was killed or his mother was killed and Jason was actually not dead and he was in the woods and he saw the whole thing. And then somebody puts on a mask and like terrorizes everybody. And the real Jason is actually watching this happen from the woods. There's kind of a interesting play there. But when I saw the end of the burning, I was like, wow, this, did they rip this off from the script of Friday the 13th part two, or did Friday the 13th rip this off from them? Because all these movies came out about the same time. And in Hollywood, you never know who's reading what script was. So I'm yeah. kind of interested in that. But, yeah, there's an, there's an ending that tries to circle back to the beginning of, like, Cropsey is out there and he's going to get you. But the funny thing is, is that normally when you want a serial killer to live to the sequel, you give him an ambiguous death, right? <laughs> yeah. you, he's shot, but he falls into a river. He's shot, he falls yeah. into a mine. He he He's riddled with bullets. He's set on fire, whatever. But he, he gets away into the night, and it's like, oh, well, we're – we didn't find the body, you know, that kind of thing. Cropsy is impaled with what? 18 inch gardening shears through the, through the upper back slash spine. Then he has a fire ax smashed through his face and skull <laughs> that pin him to a wooden board. Then his body is set on fire and he's already been burned. So at this point, he's got no tear ducts, no sweat glands. There's, Nothing going on on Cropsey's butt. He's burning completely like a torch, and it's like, whoa, he might be out there. So, no, no, yeah, yeah, actually, he's as dead as dead. Death. It's, yeah, it's, you don't get deader than that. It, you can't, you can't find deader than he is at the end of that film. So I was kind of like, shouldn't you have ended that with him like burning but running off and like with an axe in his back and then jumping into the water and, oh, we didn't, we haven't recovered his body. The you the horror movie sheriff is completely useless, shows up and goes, yeah, we haven't found his body yet so that you can have the sequel. No, like they couldn't have, if they had beheaded him, that's about the farthest they could have gone to killing the character. Yeah, Croftsy's dead. No getting around it. Uh, Jake, what'd you think of this movie, The Burning? Uh, this was the second time I'd seen it. Uh, I felt about the same as I did the first time. It's fine. Uh, it's definitely below Friday the 13th or Sleepaway Camp, uh, any of the other, you know, summer camp horror films, but it's, it's okay. It's got some decent effects. How, how'd Nothing you feel about Jason? Al- about it. I thought Jason Alexander was good. <laughs> I thought he was actually good. <laughs> He's got he personality pretty- for sure. Yeah. That was pretty good. 
like he seemed like a real actor in this, you know, like, hey, I, I can see that guy doing something else, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tuffy, what'd you think about the burning? Uh, it's fine. I don't watch a lot of like horror slashers, so I don't really have a lot to go off of. But, you know, it's like a, a solid six, maybe a seven. Uh, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. a six. Uh, that's generous as well. But the big problem is, again, no, there's no one to root for in this. You know, Carrick Glenn yeah. should be the one to make it to the end. There's no one else to root for. So the motivation here is terrible for the weird pervert. Mike, Bell, <laughs> I guess <laughs> the, the dead hooker scene made no sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of holes here in the script. Um, Miles, what'd you think of the burning? I liked it a lot. It's, it's obviously a bad movie, but it's a slasher film from 1981. So you, you have to grade it on a curve. Having seen so many slasher films in the late 70s and early 80s, or actually late 70s to late 80s, I would say this is well above the average, I don't want to say cut above the rest or employ a huge cliche, yet I'll save that. I will say that Jason Alexander I thought was hilarious in this film because he's a nerd, but he's like super sure-footed in this film. Even when the big muscular guy, Glazer, bullies him, he's still laughing and like, dude, come on. You know, what the fuck's your problem? I really <laughs> liked his performance. I liked that he lived. He could have been another one of the heroes of the story. Yeah. I yeah. kind of feel like he yeah. was this comedic relief character. They didn't have the heart to kill him, which I'm glad. But they also didn't use him. They should have not even had that. What's that shithead character, Alfred? Fuck that kid. He needed a railroad spike through the ball in that film just be left on the boat. That kid was a worthless piece of shit. That's Harvey Weinstein projecting himself into a movie, which honestly, this movie has serious historical value because you are looking at one of the most powerful people who was ever in Hollywood for 40 years, projecting his rapist perversion, shower peeping, towel dropping bullshit. In a film, he created a character that reflected his own twisted fucking nature. But as a slasher, I think this is well above average. It's not a good movie because it's all disjointed. And there's like that, again, the the hooker murder scene at the beginning might as well be from a different movie like Maniac Cop. It doesn't belong in this film. It should have been edited out. It doesn't make any sense. It was literally there because I think somebody read the script. And said, okay, he gets set on fire and then nothing happens camp-wise for 25 minutes while you establish these characters. Which, I, the thing, the main selling point of this movie to me was, I liked that, like, the Glazer character who's a bully, the Jason Alexander character. There's these characters who are the potential victims are actually better developed than is the norm. And it avoids the trope of having the woman be the only one at the end and all that shit. They just didn't go about it the right way. They didn't create a character that's central to the movie that you wanted to live. The Alfred character, you don't give a fuck about. And the Todd character, yeah, he's trying to do good, but ultimately he did burn Cropsy alive. Exactly. <laughs> it was an accident. So, There's no need to hold, uh, hold a grudge for that. Yeah, it's like it was a you burn that, someone alive. 
because yeah. you didn't like him. And then you're like, well, you know what I'll do? I'll become a camp counselor at the camp right across the way from the place I burned, you know, somebody did that. So it is what it is. I, I would give it about a seven because, or maybe a seven and a half on a slasher scale because it has some tropes that it avoids. It avoids the normal, like, the girl's going to be the one at the end. It avoids the the serial killer kills one at a time. The the raft scene where he kills the five people is pretty infamous in Slasher because it totally subverts the expectation of the one-at-a-time killings. I feel like with a little better editing, story writing, and not having yes. a serial rapist write the film, you might have had a much better movie. <laughs> yeah, there's but a lot of good even, stuff here. Like, uh, the acting yeah. was good. Uh, a lot of the scenes, it shot yeah. well and everything. Uh, but yeah, if you just edit it a little bit, it could be a much better <laughs> film. The camp banter is at the highest level of slasher from my my point of view. I feel like when you compare it to something like yeah. April Fool's Day, where you have everybody just like let's let's use as many fuck words as we can to show that these characters are cynical and what no, it doesn't work that way. Like this banter when the guys what does he say about jerking off when 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 he's like don't <laughs> It's my middleweight champion, right? Oh uh, yeah, uh, banter that's the yeah. bantamweight like, don't deplete off, yourself. Like bantamweight champ. Yeah. He's like, Get it right. Don't deplete, don't deplete the bone or whatever. Like, that's the way 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds <laughs> talk. They're all trying to talk a bunch of shit. They're all trying to, like, you know, strut and, and pretend that they know more than they do and, like, try to be super confident. And, like, man, everything about that delivery and the, the banter between, like, Woodstock and the Jason Alexander, I really liked that. I thought that that was really good. So... For a slasher film, I felt like this was uh, this was well above the uh, ordinary. But of course, it's it's not Friday the Thirteenth. It's not you know anything like that. You know what else? Tuffy probably liked all the girls in the summer camp. They're all sitting around the table burning darts. They're all smoking cigarettes. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Tuffy liked that. So all right, there it is. The Burning, nineteen eighty one. It's on Tubi. You can check it out if you so desire. Um, well, Miles Watson, you've been on here for like two and a half hours now. It's like the longest – you've run the marathon of a guest on the LCS Hockey Radio Show. So thank you for all the work well, that you've you know, done. You, you, uh, you've, I'll, I'll take your everlasting thanks that you got to see Jason Alexander with a head full of hair being very confident and <laughs> basically the anti-George Costanza character, actually. You also yeah. get to hear him. You also get to hear him talk about uh, non-lubricated rubbers, and he also says the word spermicide at one point. Yeah, that's right. He, yeah, he tells the girls when they're getting ready to go to the canoe trip, he goes, don't forget your spermicide. Yeah. Jason Alexander. <laughs> he also says the word schlong. <laughs> so there is the burning. Uh, so, Miles Watson, thank you so much. Uh, again, everyone needs to go buy his books. Knuckle Down, Cage Life, uh, The, the uh, Sinners Cross, The Very Dead of Winter, The Devils You Know, 19books.com, Amazon.com. Anything else you'd like to plug, Miles Watson? Uh, no, I'm I'm through plugging. I've I've uh, I've explored an entire region of horror that I had you know was unfamiliar with, and uh, I'm yeah. ready to return to my coffin. Grizzly bears, yeah, grizzly <laughs> bears and rocket launchers. Grizzly bears getting attacked by rocket launchers. Let's let's <laughs> play this string uh, out till it ends. All right, buddy. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll get you back on Flea Market Fantasy without Mike L. on it to, you know, oh bring God. things down, you know. I'll be 
busting his Canadian balls on Facebook, demanding an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> He'll block you. Uh, he, he, he blocks yeah. people on Facebook all the time, and then a lot of people block him as well. So it happens a lot. But, um, <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, Miles. So much we'll drama, thank you, buddy. Yeah, All right, guys, dramatic. avoid summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Miles. There he goes. See you, Miles. See Miles Watson. He watched a lot of movies, that Miles Watson. Good Lord. That's a lot of movies he watched. Yeah. But, uh, the Bernie. Hey, uh, we're going to talk to our buddy Scott Baker. Remember, he's our Canadian pal? Yeah. We talked to him before. He uh, He's in our faction now, Tuffy. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll oh. check in with him. Um, let me see if I can uh, add him to the conversation here. I should be able to do this. Um, yeah, but Tuffy, how about that? I got the, uh, the tribal chief there on those. Uh, apparently, what ha- I think what happened, Tuffy, is someone who works for Scopely was trying to send uh, like a rewards to one person, and yeah, they accidentally they sent, sent it to everyone everybody. who ever plays the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. $200 value per person on those, the Scopely anyways. Real value is like four cents, but yeah. <laughs> They're going to find uh, some way to take this back, I'm assuming. Yeah, I uh, figure they probably will, but I don't know. They'll try, but that seems like a lot of fucking around, because it's not like one character that everybody got on accident. This might be one where they just have to go... Whoopsie, congrats, happy Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to add uh, Scott to this thing. Um, oh, they got another message. They're currently investigating the spooky, mysterious message that was sent out <laughs> earlier. It was not meant for all players. We will be allowing players to keep the 80 loot coins for the weekend event. So you're good there, Mike. Dell. Ah, nice. I got the tribal chief. Yeah. Acknowledge him. So, yeah. Yeah, they just but fucked the, up. Yeah, I guess that guy's getting fired, right? Whoever did that? <laughs> I mean, it's just a bunch of chimps punching on computers that run this game, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's not like um, I it's not like I would have spent that money. You know, it's not like they really lost <laughs> money. You know. So. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the wrestling, there, Mike, the breaking news tonight: Emma's back. Yeah, I did see that. Emma is back. She uh, answered Ronda Rousey's open challenge. Yeah. So that was good. And uh, Jay Uso's not being Usy enough. <laughs> there was a great promo where uh, Sami Zayn had the entire bloodline breaking character, basically. <laughs> Everybody was cracking up. All right. Hold on. I, I think I uh, I figured out how to get Scott in here. I'm going to send him a link to join the conversation. You did so good adding three people at once earlier, and now just yeah, one is. It's a lot <laughs> trickier because the calls, you know, it's active now. You know, so it's it's tricky. Uh, oh, hold on. All right, so I sent him the link. Hopefully uh, this will work. Uh, yeah, because Scott is back in the hospital. Remember the last time he called the show? Uh, hold on. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Hello. Oh, wait. Did he join? Scott, I'm is that here. You? Hey, it's Scott Baker, everybody. Hey, hey, I was just typing out a message. 
that I sent you a link there on the uh, the Skype. So I'm glad you found. Yeah. Hey, yeah, sorry, we were running long. At Miles Watson, he 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 talks about the horror movies. He watched uh, the 20, 28 movies, and he told us all about them. There's a lot oh, of wow. movies. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of movies. <laughs> and how did the burning rank among? Uh, yeah, he liked the burning. Uh, you know, we thought it was okay. Now yeah. you told me that you also watched the burning. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And and what did you think? It, it was neat seeing uh, Jason Alexander that young, but uh, yeah, with hair. <laughs> it's yeah, great. It's like he had a possum on his head. Yeah, there's a, a lot of. I I don't know how you can uh, stand in a canoe and like swing those clippers around so wildly and not fall in the water. Yeah, there's yeah. A lot of- if anything, if it was a kick, you could have fallen right off, and it would have solved a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Probably would have. Now, now, Scott, you're calling us again from the hospital. You only I talk am- to us when you're in the hospital because you're like, oh my, this might be it. So I better call the LCS show. Is that what? Yeah. They're <laughs> Most of the other times, it's the kids. The kids don't let me <laughs> on the phone. The they keep me locked up. You're allowed away from the kids. Uh, but you had to have surgery on your ear. So, but everything you, I saw you said you're out of surgery. Everything's well. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. You're, uh, but you're all hopped up on meds at the moment. Or, yep. Uh, yeah, I am. Well, got good. the morphine. I, I think I think everyone who <laughs> listens to this show should be on morphine. That would help a lot. <laughs> Well, hey, Scott, we were just talking about uh, Tuffy and I. You know, uh, you're now in our WWE Champions faction. I know you're in the hospital and all, but uh, Scopely yep. just fucked up. They sent everybody. I, oh, did you see it already? I saw that. I, I saw it immediately and jumped right on it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Did you get anything good? From the I got uh, the Zombie Rock at five stars silver. Wow, Zombie Rock is really good. He's like a very yeah. good character. You can like that didn't look too good, but he, they got he, him. he can stun people like eight times over, nine times over. Um, I got five star bronze uh, tribal chief. Roman oh, nice. Reigns head of the table. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Tuffy got a rock. He didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah, Tuffy. No, I got the zombie undertaker, Mike Dell. Zombie undertaker. Oh, he is he good? good? I I can't even picture the zombie undertaker. What does he fucking do on that I game? I think so. He makes a bunch of fucking green gems. A lot of green gems. Oh, okay. I think I can picture it. You got, like, the trap gems that every yeah. trap makes green or something. There's only about 40 Undertakers on that fucking game, so mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to get. Yeah. Right? Uh, Scott, uh, hey, I hear the nurses are laughing it up over there. They're having a good old yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how are you feeling, though? Everything all right? I mean, you're on yeah, morphine. Yeah. You have to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, what was I gonna say? I can't yeah. even remember why I was gonna call in the first place. <laughs> yeah, you're on morphine. I, I think what you wanted to call, because uh, remember your sister was it your sister in law oh, right. was supposed to come on the show and talk to us yep. about Big Brother Canada, yeah, and then we had her giving you the hi hat. Yeah, she canceled, and then I said, well, we, and then she gave me the hi hat. So I don't know. I never yep. heard from her again. Um, yeah. But it, was yeah. Good, it was a wise decision on her part. You know, no, no <laughs> feelings. She should absolutely not do this show. Uh, but now that you're all hopped up on medicine, uh, is there anything you'd like to share about Big Brother Canada that you heard? Well, the so they go to like hotels, like I guess it was like probably a month before they start filming. Yeah. And like they do 
all sorts of like psychological things to them, I guess, to like test them. That like, sounds like Shockma. <laughs> all right, yeah, we'll go ahead. <laughs> oh, Shockma was actually another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, nice. I love talking about Shockma. <laughs> but, but just when I was a teenager, me and my cousins used to always see the Shockma video in the movie store. We always go Shockma baboon. <laughs> and eventually we we watched it once, but I don't really remember. I didn't rewatch uh, it for you guys. Yeah, you gotta watch it's it. Just yeah. a baboon jumping into doors for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's the best. All right, so they're they're sequestered and they they go yeah. under like shockma experiments while they're there. So she said that like they don't let them have any like phones or any access to outside stuff. And she said there's like five different clocks in the room. And they're all set at different times. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't even know well, what time of day it is. <laughs> in fairness, that sounds exactly like my house. Every clock in this house has a different time. I have no idea what time it is either. Sorry. And, <laughs> but, the, uh, and then they'd like blindfold them to go to different like hotel rooms for different things. Yeah. Is one of the rooms a key party? <laughs> <laughs> Big Brother Canada, man. Yeah. Pretty crazy. They're not run by Nazis doing experiments. Um, so have you talked to her? Did she say she was glad she didn't do it? Or did yeah, she yeah, she was, pretty, she was pretty happy not doing it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's something. But, uh, all right. Well, what else is going on there, Scott? Uh, anything else you like? How are you enjoying the WWE Champions uh, Swamp People faction with uh, Tuffy and I? Are you enjoying yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's much better than previous ones I've been in. Oh, really? Because I, I think yeah. our faction pretty much stinks. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> It does, but much, I'm getting more of it. They all stink from what my experience, so. Yeah. The, the good thing about our faction is we don't get any of the top prizes, cause it's, but we don't also don't have any, like, uh, requirements that you really have to do. Like, if you get in a top uh, um, faction, it's a lot. It's like a full-time job being in those fucking yeah. factions. I mean, so. I do that anyways, but that's on my yeah. own. Yeah, Tuffy's a maniac. Yeah, I don't know how you get those feud scores. Yeah, I was going to say, do you ever check the scores? Because Tuffy's always way at the top. Way at the top. But, uh, All about those icon uh, icons of WrestleMania, 50% boosts. I guess, yeah. Cause you, but you got to do the stipulation tours to get those guys, right? Yeah. See, I, yeah. Scott, do you ever fuck with those stipulation tours? I think they're the most boring I, things ever. I, I just, just started this month because of the the one like quest we were getting daily yeah. for those points. I was doing it for that, yeah. but yeah, normally I don't do it. Yeah, I did it like the first I, uh, month they were doing that, and then that's enough. I'm like, this is too fucking boring. I can't do it. Yeah, I maxed out that showdown thing this week, too. I got that McFoley plate, Mike Dell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tuffy's a fucking. I had to, I had to clear I that thought... showdown twice a day because when it reset overnight, you had to get ten thousand the first half of the day, and then the next half morning get ten thousand, and then oh. when it reset at two o'clock, another ten thousand, and the next day another ten thousand. Yeah, I can't do it. It took a while. Well, you have a six star kid though. You have that Bret Hart, so I'm sure you can just plow through it. Yeah, the six star guy. Yeah, uh, it still takes time, but again, the showdown. Uh, Icon of, Icons of WrestleMania boost helps you keep your uh, notoriety points up, too. Yeah, I have the showdown ones to help you out, but I don't have the feud ones to help you out. But um, I thought too much of Scopely. I thought, like, when they were doing that uh, vote thing last week, they were just going to give us all the freedom. Yeah, that's like what much. I thought as well. 
<laughs> and then someone's like, nah, that's not good. Oh, to, by the way, Tuffy was on here the other week saying uh, how they sped up the game 1.25% or whatever, you know. Tuffy's yeah. like, well, they're just going to charge you to do it to two times. And I didn't even think of that, but that's yeah. exactly what they did, Tuffy. Did you see that? They put those yeah. things in the yeah. Yeah. You spend five dollars, you get to speed it up. <laughs> you get it. You have to have a membership to get it for the two times speed on the tours, and if you want to get it for showdowns, it's another five bucks a week for the membership people. Yeah, so they already have ridiculous. to pay at least ten bucks a week for it. Fucking scopely. <laughs> They're the worst. Oh, good god! Uh, but anyway, hey, but I got tribal chief, so I'm very happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay, in my book. Acknowledge me. Yeah. Uh, so what else is going on, Scott? Are you about to fall asleep or uh, anything else you'd like to discuss? Uh, I think I'm about to get moved to a hospital room, so that's nice. Yeah. Still oh, yeah. been waiting since like four hours oh. now. Oh, so you're like in the ER, like the uh, post-op, like there's a bunch of yeah. other people in the room with you? I'm actually the only one here, so. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Bunch of empty beds. They say let you have a phone. Did you tell them, hey, I got to call the LCS Hockey Radio Show? And they're like, oh, of course. We'll let you do that. It's <laughs> very important. <laughs> they're big fans. Canadian hospitals. Big fans. <laughs> but, uh, all right, well, uh, we appreciate the call, though, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe call us. We'll do it sometime when you're not in the hospital. Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be on a lot of drugs to call the show, Mike. <laughs> Unless he's on morphine. He's not calling the show. <laughs> All right, Scott. Well, uh, th- thanks, buddy, and I hope you I hope you feel better, and uh, all our best to you and the family, all right? Okay, thanks. All right, there he goes. Okay, bye. Oh, Scott, Scott Baker. Yeah, that's hey, nice. Check it in. Oh, oh yeah. we, we can hear the nurses talking. Oh, he hung out there. <laughs> yeah. so, it's always nice when people check in with us from the hospital. So that's nice. Don't tell them to watch out for Cropsy in case he's in yeah. the hospital there. He could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. If someone, if they're wheeling it down the hall and say, hey, you want to see this guy? He's there. I just want to show you this guy. And they go show you a karopsy. Uh All right. Yeah. Well, this has been a long show, but there's still some things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, I wore, I wore my jeans today with the shoelace, and it was great. Everyone loved it. Uh, I got a lot of comments on it. But I had to go get my – <laughs> Well, no one. But I had to go get my car inspected. That little girl at the <laughs> – No, no, I didn't shoot oh. hockey today. I didn't shoot hockey today. I shot yesterday, but today I had to get my car inspected. So, uh, and I got an oil change. It, it was like a hundred bucks for an oil. Uh, how much is an oil change where you guys are in the Illinois? Uh, I don't even know. That sounds about right for an oil change in tire. Well, I get a tire rotation yeah. too, but. Cause like in the old days, it was like 30, 40 bucks for an oil change. And now it's like, it was 60 or 70. Now today, because they, uh, I get free inspection because I go to the dealer, you know, and I'm always exempt from emissions. So the oil change was like $71 or something. And then they say, oh, but $22 in labor. Isn't labor mm. included in the oil change? Isn't that the whole yeah. thing? The oil change is labor. That's what it is. Because so well, they're always screws you over. They, they charge yeah. you for it. Yeah, I guess the way I look, but if I like don't go there, I still would have ended up paying probably more than that if I had to pay for the inspection. So whatever. But um, yeah, so I got the car. It, the car passed inspection, thank God. It passed inspection. Well, it has like twelve miles on it, so I would <laughs> hope so. Seventy six hundred miles in six years. <laughs> I, I did uh, do my last payment for the car the other last week, so I, I officially own the car, I believe. 
So yeah, yeah. Of course, it's set up to like auto pay. So like, I think next month they'll probably just keep billing me and hope I don't notice. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pay attention to that. But um, all right. So the car got inspected. Uh, well, oh, Comcast. We wanted Ooh, to talk yeah. about Comcast. Uh, so if you remember last week, uh, I was having trouble with the phone lines. Uh, my home phone has no dial tone. Calls can come in. We can call out. But when you pick up, there's no voice or audio or anything. So uh, I was online with them a lot, tra- talking about it for like hours. They couldn't figure out what was on. I said, well, I'll monkey with it and I'll see if I can fix it. I couldn't fix it. Yeah, there's I couldn't fix it. So the other day, like uh, the other day, Comcast, they just sent me a box in the mail. I'm like, oh, maybe they sent me like a new modem or something just without work. Yeah, they sent me a new cable box. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if, if you guys have the Comcast where you live, but I, I guess they got these new uh, cable boxes where you can like talk into the remote. And it yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah. So be, I guess because I remember when I was on the phone with them about the phones, I got some promotional deals. So maybe because I got this promotional deal, they sent me a new cable box or whatever. So. The cable box, of course, when I put it in, it wouldn't work. So, and <laughs> again, I didn't ask for the cable box. I didn't request the cable box. I didn't even know they were sending me a cable box. But now I have this cable box I have to put in, and now it's not working. So, and it says I have to call them. So now I'm on the, the line with Comcast again for like another two fucking hours talking to them <laughs> about this goddamn cable box. Uh, so we finally get the cable box working. And I'm like, hey, by the way, I still don't have phone service here, you know? So, uh, hey, can we like, can I just get rid of the landline? You know, can I just get rid of that landline? Cause you know, if it doesn't work, we can, you know, just use a cell phone. We don't need the landline. So they're like, all right, we'll transfer you over. So I got to wait to get transferred over to the other department. And then this other guy, Craig from Solutions is talking to me. And Craig from Solutions <laughs> was a very nice guy. But he, he says, uh, so he, uh, I explained the problem to him. I'm like, do you even know anything about these phones? Or, you know, am I annoying you if I try to describe the problem? He's like, no, go ahead. I, I know a little bit about this stuff. And I'm like, all right. So I explained the problem to him. He goes, yeah, I don't know what that is. I have no idea how to do that. I'm like, all right. Well, thank you. Uh, so uh, can we just get rid of the landline then, you know? So we're all paying for this landline. And he goes, yeah, sure. Uh, let me look into it here. And he goes, oh, but I see you just got a promotion. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. We just, I just got a promotion. They offered me a promotion like last week. And he's like, well, here's the deal. We can get rid of your landline. But because of you would actually be paying more if we got rid of your landline than you're paying right now with a landline that doesn't work. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, because of this promotion, like if we take you out of the promotion, then you have to pay more because I guess phones only like twenty five bucks a month or something like that. Maybe. So the promotion actually saved. So he says it's it's actually better if you uh, just uh, keep the dead, the non-working phone. And stay with the promotion than to get rid of the non-working phone. Sure. <laughs> I, like, of I, I guess that makes sense. And I'm like, well, since we have, is there any way, you, like, what about getting a tech out here to look at it? You know, because I don't want that. But if we have to do that, we can have to do it. And he says, well, here's the thing. Uh, the default charge for that is $100 just to come out and look at it. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's not, you know, <laughs> it's your fault. You know, I didn't do anything. Your service isn't working. Your service isn't working that I'm paying for. Shouldn't you just come fix this? And he's like, well, here's the thing. Because if they show up at your house and the problem is actually with something in your house, then you're going to have to pay, you know. Uh, 
and he says, well, let, let me check. Uh, let me see if I can get them to waive the uh, cost of the, uh, the con. So he's gone. On, I'm on hold now for another 20 minutes or so. And then he comes back and he says, ah, you know, yeah, they're not going to waive it. And I'm like, oh, all right, thanks. And he's like, well. <laughs> so I'm like, well, just fuck it. <laughs> so, so I have a landline that does not work, but I'm paying less money than well, I did. You can answer phone calls. Yeah, you can't talk, though. You can't talk. Like, oh, there's no okay. sound. But at least we know who called. We still have caller ID, so you know who called. So if it's worth talking to him, you can call him back on the cell phone. But otherwise, it's just like, forget it, you know. So I actually like it because I don't like talking to anybody anyway, you know. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Green calls. Yeah. So it's really not that bad of a thing. Uh, But it it just was kind of weird that having a non-working phone is actually cheaper than – but anyway, whatever. I don't – or whatever. But so that's what we are – we're just going to forget about it and uh, just have a phone that doesn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's good. Because, you know, as soon as that tech shows up here, he's going to do something. He's like, oh, this is a $250, and this is $150, and this is – that's like, all right, buddy, whatever. Stay the fuck out of my house. So, <laughs> so that's the update with Comcast. <laughs> wow. That's quite a Wait, what? You broke up there, Jank. That is quite the drama. Yeah, it, I was on hold, so I was on the phone with those fucking Comcast people, and, and you know they're nice, you know they're friendly, uh, but uh, it was a long time, long fucking time. And again, I didn't ask for that new fucking cable box. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, oh, get this! I have to send the other old cable boxes back to Comcast. Gotta pay for that. <laughs> Well, they have a, a label you stick on, and you can just drop it off at a UPS store. But the UPS store in my in Greensburg is like just down the road from Comcast, like fifty feet. So I'll just drop it off at Comcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I guess shoot hockey. But uh, I didn't even monkey. They they sent you one big cable box and one little cable box. But I didn't even monkey change in the little cable box because I knew that was going to be a whole fucking thing too. So I'm just I just changed the big one, and that was it. I'm just sending everything else back to them. But uh, all right, so uh, Jank, uh, I, I talked to you uh, this week uh, when we did flea market fantasy. You're still having the leg issues. Any updates on that since yesterday? Uh, no, not since yesterday. Yeah. Hopefully next week I'll have some more answers. But yeah, yeah more appointments uh, next week. Uh, anything else to discuss, Jank, that happened to you this past week? Uh, did you see any other movies or anything? Uh, I did. I saw one horror movie. So Miles Ooh. put me to shame there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I saw Terrifier 2. Me and Scooch went last week. <laughs> I like that you and Scooch are hanging out more, it seems. Yeah. He loves the horror movies. So. You and his Scooch. Yeah. I never heard of Terrifier 1. So it was kind of – originally, I guess there was this movie called All Hallows Eve. It was in a Halloween uh, anthology movie. And in there, one of the uh, – actually, a couple of the shorts featured this clown character called Art the Clown. And uh, then they made a full-on movie featuring Art the Clown called Terrifier a couple years ago. Uh, I saw that one first, actually, and then I went back and saw All Hallows Eve because I didn't even know it existed yet. <laughs> but uh, So I saw that one, really liked it. Uh, so Terrifier 2 now just came out, and it's actually doing surprisingly well. Like It was only supposed to be a very limited run in theaters for, like, you know, one week. And I think it's already in its third week. A lot of theaters are still showing it. And uh, it's actually, like, people really seem to like it, so... <laughs> Good on them. It's it's pretty low budget. And, <laughs> <Good> on 
they're they should be making their money back. So I'm happy for them. Uh, because I really liked it. Uh, Scooch was a little bit, he didn't like it as much as the first one. And I'd probably say the first one might be a little bit better, but I really like this one too. It, uh, it did different things. It wasn't just a repeat of the first one. Um, and it's, it's the art, the clown is really good. He's a good character. Um, it's been a while since we've had any like new slasher villains and he definitely fits the bill. And I love this guy. <laughs> he's so, he's so great. He has a very little hat. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Tuffy, I don't know if you ever saw Tony Storm when she was in like the, uh, May Young Classics and stuff. Her, part of her gimmick, she had a little hat. And, uh, he, he has okay. a little hat. Just like Tony Storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's odd. Yeah. It's, it's very, very grisly, um, and gruesome for sure. Well, uh, you, this is the movie that supposedly people were throwing up at. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I remember you talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see any of that going on, but yeah, it's, hey, it's definitely intense shit in there. Chris Jericho is in this movie. Yeah, he's in the post credit scene oh. playing like a security guard. I like the, the insane asylum. Hey, Jake, <laughs> did you see uh, your girl uh, Liv Morgan was in this week's episode of Chucky? Did you see that? Oh, no. Yeah, Chucky uh, murders Liv Morgan. He stabs her in the belly. Like, I guess she's Liv Morgan, and he just, <laughs> like, she's playing herself, and he just stabs her in the belly repeatedly. <laughs> that jerk. Yeah, what a creep. <laughs> For that. Uh, this Terrifier 2, it, uh, it gets a uh, pretty good rating here on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it earlier. 87% Kid Crosby on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah horror fans seem to love it, and, and I get why, because it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, the, the main girl in it, she was, she looked, she like, at the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, she's kind of cute. And as it goes along, you're just like, oh, man, I really like this girl. <laughs> Is that Lauren Lavera? <laughs> uh, I think so. Because there's also a girl named Samantha Scaffity. She plays Victoria Hayes. Lauren Lavera <laughs> plays Sienna Shaw. If there's me. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's definitely her. I like this uh, Samantha Scaffity lady. I don't know, I like her. But, uh, anyway. But oh yeah, I think she might. Oh yeah, she might have been the one who got the grisliest death of the movie. Oh no, <laughs> she really went to town on this one girl. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. And, and the thing is, a lot of the times, sometimes he'll kill you, know, just kill you real quick. But sometimes he'll, you know, really take his time and not leave much of you. But then you'll still be alive somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was one of those. Like, by the end, they had to basically have, like, an animatronic version of her because, like, <laughs> it was so emaciated that no person could actually play that part anymore. Like, uh, they, they, yeah, they said that Samantha, girl, she played Victoria Hayes in Terrifier and Terrifier 2. So she was the Ooh. same character. Both movies. Huh. Uh, there you go. Hey, she's, she must be the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, she must be the sister from the first one who, yeah. She uh, doesn't look so good in this movie because <laughs> obviously she survived <laughs> without a face. So, <laughs> oh, survives without a face. Yeah, because yeah. here's what I do when I look for a lady. You know, if I uh, I look for ladies with faces, if they have a face, yeah. that's one of the <laughs> that's number one on the list. Does she have a yeah. face? So, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, maybe I'll check with Miles see if he's seen Terrifier. Terrifier yeah. too. I, I highly recommend them. Uh, All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Tuffy, 
Have you watched anything this week? Uh, the House of the Dragon finale. Yeah. Oh, did that, that monkey girl come back? No. <laughs> she's gone forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, she's aged out. Now, I remember last week you said uh, there was some scene where some dragon came up through the floor and, like, murdered everybody. Um, yeah. And you, you seem to be questionable about that decision. So did it make sense now that you've seen this next episode? Does everything work? Mm-hmm. No, it'll never make sense. But uh, <laughs> oh, okay. they'll just forget it ever happened, I think. There was one <laughs> line explain it like, oh, it wasn't my war to start or something like that. But what the fuck does that mean? You wouldn't be a war. Yeah. Entire other side. <laughs> huh. Yeah. But the yeah, because episode nine was sort of one side in how the they're getting in position. Episode ten is the sort of the other side of this coming civil war and them getting into position. And then uh, at the end, one of the dragons eats up another dragon and kills a guy or a kid, <laughs> more accurately, I guess. That was the one so, good part of the episode. I thought. Other than that, it wasn't a very exciting finale. Um, yeah, a lot of hemming and hawing about whether uh, we want to push this thing or not. So nice of them to include a childbirth scene because we haven't seen that at all. Like, so <laughs> never- yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't miss a good childbirth scene. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a good uh, stillbirth. <laughs> I hope they show the placenta. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Uh, All right. That is, that is the fourth childbirth they've had this season, Mike Dale. So we're getting them in. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah, you had the first episode, I think. You had a uh, difficult childbirth that led to a uh, C-section that killed the mother and the child, I think. Then, how, how are they allowed to do this? Don't they have editors or someone to tell them, hey, you can't do four childbirth scenes? Uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of interviews where they said... Well, for women, you know, the, the birthing bed is the battlefield for them. So I think that's the angle. Oh, uh, good Lord. All right. <laughs> good God. Exciting stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And then uh, next year, more dragon fights, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, maybe, some, maybe some dragons giving birth. <laughs> yeah. To a monkey girl. Yeah. Cool. There should be... Hopefully two dragon fights next year, I think. <laughs> Tuffy's already waiting for the <laughs> dragon fights. <laughs> well, I know I know I mean, how it all plots out. I don't know exactly fights. where they end. Yeah, I don't know exactly where they end the series, but I know, broadly speaking, what's going to happen. I just don't know where they're going to cut the season for everything. I'll say where they cut this season was really corny, uh, where you just had yeah. Rhaenyra turning looking all angry like that was really corny <laughs> yeah uh yeah they could have picked a better spot probably how <laughs> like oh nice. get it like that you wouldn't be angry yeah. that her son died of course like, yeah. hey, how, how about a movie called house of the baboons and it's all like <laughs> shakma related and uh yeah yeah. Monkey like the eyes. Because the other <laughs> the queen of baboons. The other sort of, uh, I guess, addition or clarification from the, the book jank is that in the book, 
there's no question of whether uh, it was intentional that he meant to murder the other dragon and kid. In the show, it was a little more ambiguous of, oopsie, I accidentally killed him. Oh, well. See, I thought I heard in the book they didn't even really explain what happened. They're just like, yeah, that kid died. Nobody really knows yeah, what happened. Yeah, witness accounts from other people <laughs> of like, well, the one dragon went up, then the other dragon went up, and uh, the one of them killed the other, so. Yeah. That's pretty much all they got to work with, but. Yeah, I thought it was I pretty mean, good. Good season. Yeah, even if it, uh, they left it kind of ambiguous, but like, if he caught up to him, what did we think was going to happen? Like, obviously he's going to fucking yeah. kill this kid, so. <laughs> Whether yeah. he meant to have it that way or not, like. It was going to happen. Well, it was also, like, neither of them seemed to be able to control their dragons. Like, the little dragon just went off and, like, <laughs> got the fire at the big dragon. When you the kid have didn't to want control to. your dragons. Well, yeah. Wasn't there a movie about that? Like, how to control your dragon? How to train or? your dragon. Oh, how to train your dragon. <laughs> how to train your dragon, too? I think there might be a third one as well. Yeah. Oh. Trilogy <laughs> out of that. I like that they were, uh, they're flying their dragons in, like, a pounding lightning storm. And somehow not dying from that alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize this, but dragons are natural insulators. They're like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Made out of rubber. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. I got the fire inside, so it's not like you're going to, you know, freeze. You get, you're, you're staying plenty warm. <laughs> plenty warm with them dragons. All right. Uh, well, that's something. House of the Dragons. Yeah. World Series started tonight. Yeah. Who's in the World Series, Tuffy? I have no idea. The Phillies and the Astros. The Phillies are up six to five going into the bottom of the tenth right now. Uh, Phillies and Astros. They're like, uh, the Astros are always in it now, man. Um, uh, yeah, they, four out of six years, I think they've been in the World Series now. I think well, I saw. Well, because they're still cheating, right? They're doing the, the garbage can deal and they're banging all the garbage cans and they're like, hey, let's change cool. up. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea. I, I remember one time uh, way back in the day I, when I was working at Seton Hill driving around the shuttle van and stuff, I picked up a kid and, you know, just shooting the, the shit with him when I was talking about baseball. And he had no concept of baseball whatsoever. No idea what baseball was. I mean, I, and, I, and I said, are you American? And he's like, yeah, I'm American. I just I don't know. But now, these years later, I have no concept of baseball either. I have no. Yeah, like, uh, so Bryce Harper's on the Phillies. I know who he is. Yeah. I saw he hit a big home run, right? Didn't he hit, like, the big home run to get him in the World Series or something? Yeah, when they beat the uh, Dodgers, he had a big home yeah, run in the lead in right. a clinching game. Yeah. And, uh, like, Kyle Schwarber, who used to be on the Cubs, he's on the Phillies now. All right, I, I recognize that name. Yeah, I remember him. Schwarber. And then uh, the Astros still still have Jose Altuve. I know who he is. Yeah, he's a little guy who was cheating. Remember he was wearing that, uh, that buzzer under his shirt, and he ripped yeah. his shirt open, and then he acted like, no, 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 don't show the buzzer. Remember that? that was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, Justin Verlander's on the Astros. He's still hey, plays Justin it. Verlander. He gets to have He's sex like, with uh, Kate Upton old or something. Doesn't he have yeah. sex with Kate Upton? So yeah, that's pretty good. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, I can't beat that. And uh, Dusty Baker is the manager for the Astros. Dusty Baker is still alive. Good lord. Yeah, <laughs> he was so old back in the day. Um, all right, well that's that. Well, it's just hey, the, the football season's still going on. A uh, Cham won again. Uh, it's three weeks yeah. in a row. My fantasy football team is one. I am now technically ahead of Larry in the standings. How about oh. that? Yeah, we're both we're both four and three, but I have uh, more points than him. And get this, he was playing Street Dreamer last week, and uh, it went down to the Monday night game, and he had New England's defense, 
and he actually Ooh. went ahead of Street Dreamer by like a point. But then uh, my Chicago, then I have both Chicago Field. running backs. Over. Yeah, but I have both Chicago running backs, uh, Khalil Herbert and Dave Montgomery. I just played Montgomery, but both running backs got touchdowns in that game, and they drove New England's yeah. point total up. So he actually lost points because of my running backs scoring touchdowns, and Street Dreamer <laughs> beat him. So I was like, yeah, Larry, yeah. take that. So, uh, yeah, yeah things the Bears looking are champ, Mike Bell. Justin Fields looks really bad. good. Who would have thought that if you let a running quarterback actually run, he'll be good? You know, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Also, neither uh, quarterback seemed to be good at throwing the ball, but the Bears' defense was better at catching than the Patriots' defense, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Anyone's defense is better at catching than the Steelers. Did you see that when they uh, they lost to Miami because they were they had like four interceptions to it through four interceptions to them. They dropped them all. It's like, all right, that's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Steelers, who do they play tomorrow uh, or Sunday? Uh, uh, let's see. Somebody's going to beat them. Eagles. Oh, oh the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles are going to murder them, right? So, uh, yeah. All right, uh, so there's your football update. Yep. Um, anything else to discuss, or are we out of here? No, I don't think yeah. so. I think we're good. That's it. Uh, flea Market Fantasy, we uh, recorded. Uh, the, the one up there right now is Mike L's last appearance, the Creature Commandos. Yeah. You can hear all about the Creature Commandos. And um, Finally, the right episode is up there. So, <laughs> did, did you have a chance to listen to it? Yep. All right, so but it worked out nicely though because that throughout that whole episode, I was making Mike L say a bunch of because uh, these comics are dealing with like a Japanese prison of war camp, and uh, there's a lot of uh, racial slurs used against the Japanese, and I would I would always make Mike L read them, and so <laughs> so during the show, it's a running gag whenever that happens that I say that I'm going to make an audio recording of Mike L saying racist things to get him canceled, and then uh, that's exactly what happened. So it yep. worked out. <laughs> worked out perfectly. Uh, and then Jank and I recorded uh, Squadron Supreme. Yeah. Uh, and I already have it edited up and everything. We're just going to go with the same theme music, Jank, because uh, that's a lot of work finding new theme music. Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> um. But I'll, I'll probably make a YouTube video for it. Who knows? We'll see. Um. And then uh, that'll be uploaded on Tuesday. And our buddy Bob Myers will be on the show next week as well. I told him uh, Fallen Angels, Jank Pick, Fallen Angels issue five. We'll be doing that. And I'm sure Tuffy will be back on the show because Tuffy always said he hates Mike L. He never wants to be on the show with Mike L. So now Mike L's not there, Tuffy. You can come back on the show. I think we need to get Mike L on the LCS show to hash out this uh, this disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Some bread. Uh, I, have a feeling, I have a feeling I'll never hear from Mike L again. <laughs> oh. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. It seems like, uh, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. I just got the impression that he, uh, he's not going to talk to me anymore. <laughs> so we'll see. I talked to him on Tuesday when I was doing spider cast. And he didn't oh, all right. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> did you tell him you were replacing him on uh, flea market fantasy? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> all right. Let's see. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right. Hey, hey, we'll do, this swipe. do a uh, we'll do a top eleven Batman movies. We'll bring Mike L on oh, for that. Oh, good lord, no, never <laughs> do that. Uh, did uh, did 
did you mention to the other Spider Cast kids that Mike L is quitting December thirtieth? They all know that. Did you say, hey, Mike L is quitting December thirtieth? Do kids yeah, know? Not a shit stir. Like if, uh. if <laughs> I want to just show up and drop truth bombs on everybody. <laughs> may not know. All right, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. All right, so uh, that's that. We got to thank Miles Watson again at one nine books dot com. You can get all his books: uh, Knuckle Down, Cage Life, uh, Sinners Cross, The Very Dead of Winter. And the devil, as you know, he's also working on a new book right now, this moment, that is a sequel to one of the short stories he did. So uh, that'll be something. And uh, Pat Piccarelli just texted me before the show that he's done writing a book, and uh, he's going to send it over to me to, like next week to, to edit it. So look at that. Pat, Pat's got a book coming out. Ooh, and, um, what else? Uh, I think that's everything. So, in uh, thanks to Tuffy, thanks to Jank, and oh, whose uh, whose pick is it next week for the movie? I forgot where were we. I think Jank's up. Yeah. All right, all right, Jank, don't <laughs> fuck it up. <laughs> do you do you say you have one already? Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, go ahead. What is it? Uh, I was gonna pick a another horror movie, but I figured I'd give that a break now, and I'm gonna pick yeah. nineteen. I think it's nineteen eighty five. Uh, cave Girl. Cave Girl? Ooh. Now, th- this isn't Cave Bunny. This is Cave Girl. No, sadly, it's not Cave Bunny, but similar concept, it seems like. And similar, is there, importantly. Is there anyone famous in it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the cast, really. Uh, well, that's, just, the first, uh, that's the first thing I'm looking at if there's a movie called Cave Girl. I want to see who the Cave Girl is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cindy Ann Thompson? Yeah, I don't know who that is. But I like that she has two names. Yeah, That's Tom. usually a good sign when you're Cindy Ann. That's usually a good sign. Amber uh, Known for the movie Body Count. Cave Girl, Not of This Earth. Not a very long filmography for her. Hey, hey, Jank, when you said you wanted to get away from horror movies because, you know, it's not Shocktober anymore, I'm thinking, uh, what, what, isn't there a horror movie where there's like a Thanksgiving turkey that murders everybody? Yeah, Thanksgiving. <laughs> we'll watch that at some point this month. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Killing. All right, what well, is Cave Girl on Tubi? Is that one uh, ones? I'm sorry, uh, you cut out again. What is Yeah, it looks like yeah. it's on Tubi. Okay, that's cool. Tubi. All right, so next week, Cave Girl. Power 20, nice. And uh, <clears throat> we'll work on some other shit, maybe. Who knows? All right, so uh, thanks, everybody. And until next time, pass the Monchichi, Governor Gabby. Thank you very much.